Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6-NERDS-5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencia, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. And we will be there with we our will. own booth at Denver Comic Con 2018. Not sure exactly where, but uh, uh, we'll be. We will let at you know. The Colorado Convention Center. That's sure. where we'll be. Right next to the Tentacle Hentai booth. Probably on the second floor. Uh, right next to Zach's Tentacle Hentai booth. <laughs> That's my Tentacle Hentai booth. Come by and visit me. Every week we see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw. The Post. Did anyone see anything else that I don't know about? Uh, I saw well, Phantom Thread. Oh. I saw <laughs> Darkest got, Hour. <laughs> and Darkest Hour? Do we have any Paddington 2 in here? I went and saw... Oh, yeah. Did, did anybody see Paddington I 2 I didn't yet? get a chance now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Henry's here. <laughs> Hi, Henry. I can. You're welcome. Cool. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. uh, Who else is here? uh, Zach is here. I'm here. See, now I don't know. Am I hosting or are you hosting? Well, you do. You, do you, you start or I start? When you who starts? Who, start, who, 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 who talks first? <laughs> you know, we can you talk just, first. We I can talk just first. Let the dog host. Hold for Hux. <laughs> I can hear the audience booing. <laughs> Uh, they've already turned it off. Yeah, that movie's awesome. No, I mean the what audience for new? Star Wars. That was the, uh, that was the Star Wars audience booing. I was hosting, and I'm Brad. And good job, Brad. J- James, I'm James was trying to take over, and then you heard Zach and Henry. You yeah. pointed at me and asked who else is here. That's not me. That's not me aggressively <laughs> you taking over. Henry for me. Well, yeah, but that's because Henry was talking. There was a magical ghost like voice that you know. <laughs> Henry's in New York because no one listening can see that. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, and we're yeah. in Denver. So I could have pretended like he's magically here. Yeah, we could have. Though yeah. his wall decorations suggest that he's in like Hawaii or a tropical island of some kind. Well, I mean, his room actually looks like a prison, so I would decorate <laughs> it that way too. 
Don't don't do the crime if you can't do the time, Henry. <laughs> so what's everyone have been up to since the last show? Uh, I missed last week. That's right, you were um, here because I I keep having to go do like wedding things. Yeah, there's all these like wedding plan things. I ate a lot of food, man. You guys, you guys should get married. Let me tell you, they throw <laughs> food at told you. Me not to, but okay. You know how much you know how much free candied bacon I ate on Saturday. There was so much candied bacon. <laughs> it was amazing. What's the difference between regular <laughs> bacon? Is it sweeter? Yeah. Yeah. No. They when you when you bake so you depending on how you cook it. Um, I think in this case it was baked in an oven. Um, so they bake the 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 bacon, but before you do so, you sprinkle brown sugar on it, so that it is both super sweet and super savory and super salty. It is all the flavors you want. It is imagine if fat and bacon, or sorry, fat and candy, like, had a baby. No, just were together oh, at the same time. That's my rap yeah. name, fat candy. Fat candy. <laughs> uh, Give it up on the mic for fat candy. <laughs> Uh, hey, would Fat Candy MC my wedding, please? <laughs> and it's Fat Can dash the letter D. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sometimes they they take that candied bacon and wrap it around a date. Because dates, you eat them. Uh, the I dates mean, are poisoned. No, you eat them. <laughs> I mean, they're not if you get them from Palm Springs. But so many yeah. monkeys died for that. So many monkeys died. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is uh, what do we do here, Brad? Uh, I did say that every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. Oh, this good. This week we saw The Post. Did anyone see any other movies? No. Oh, Darkest yeah, we did Darkest Hour, do that. perhaps. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> Phantom did, Thread. Did you do anything over the last week, Brad? How are you doing? Uh, I am exhausted. Uh, yeah. I spent three days doing the... Uh, if you've been listening to this show, you've probably heard me talk about the tr- film Trauma that we've been shooting for six years now. And I was going to say, when is that going to be done? Are you guys getting close? Yeah, there's like two, there's two scenes left. Sweet. So. I've been told. Not I feel like there's out. more, but yeah. But it was it, it was the mountains, and then Loveland, and then downtown 16th Street Mall. Oh wow! And yeah, I don't like doing shoots where just random people are constantly interrupting you as you're trying to shoot. But you had you had like uh, you had a, a a cape of of a <laughs> I had of a, a permit film cape. permit, yeah, yeah, uh, I, pinned to your back. That helped a little. But Did it? Still, people were like, "Are you on your first date?" Like what? <laughs> I have a fucking camera. How do you film your first date, buddy? Yeah, there were That's other weird. rodents Wait, floating around. If I if I legitimately go to 16th Street Mall for my first date, will I get yelled? Is it your first date at me? Apparently, um, what we later figured out was that one of the actors is in a play downtown called First Date, and uh. someone had recognized him, but. Oh. At the time, they were yelling. We were confused. Hey, we were like, who don't knock thinks that we're man. filming someone's first date? <laughs> um, oh. so. Yeah. Well, clearly, there's a market to film first date. You should talk to them about that. Ask so. for lots of money. Werner mm-hmm. um, Herzog presents first date. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Henry? Oh, I, I just said, I don't know. Don't knock fetishes. You never know what someone's really into. Maybe they like being filmed on their first date. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Peeping Tom, too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's me. What else, cool. is, what else is new? Should we just jump into... Uh, do we, oh, we have fan mail. We have fan mail? We have yeah, fan wait, mail. Wait. I, mean, I mean, sorry, of course we do. Yeah. We should really start a mini episode just for our fan mail. You know, all the, all the other big podcasts do that. Like... like wait, we're big? 
Shut up, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> There's really like other podcasts that just dedicate an entire other feed to episodes. No, they do mini episodes. Yeah, like uh, how like, how how, how, how did this get made? Does it? My favorite murder well, does it? They do a lot of things. Like they don't just read fan mail. So we got to think of other. They things They pretty with. much just read fan mail. As far as I'm concerned, the movie bitches are fan mail. That's right. Paul Shear, war. Paul Shear, if you want to uh, reply um, to James's um, horrible denunciation of you, write to us at realnerds at gmail dot com. They also talk about the like what they're doing on the next <laughs> Sorry, episode. James. Yeah, but that's like ten seconds worth of time. We have live shows for most. Most of the the majority of the show is the news or is the is there is their mail. The show we sponsored also by have like barely enough time to do one episode a week. Yeah, I don't know if hey. we need to add a mini episode a week too. You know what? I, I appreciate your logic. Actually, Henry, you're the only one who's going to read the, the mini episode. That's the thing. It's going to be like like Paul Shear on how yeah. did this get made. You're going to record it in a closet and answer all of the, the fan oh, mail. Good. Henry, it should just be you and me talking about talking <laughs> behind their back. It'll, <laughs> it'll immediately become more popular than the main show. Sorry, Zach, or, uh, Brad, oh. go ahead. Where's yeah, fan mail? here's the real fan mail. Great. Fan mail! We've got uh, Corinne has written in with her 2017 Film Explosion Top 10 list. Oh, sweet. I nice. love Corinne. Hey, nerds. I know this will be several weeks late, but I'm listening to your Film Explosion episode right now and realized that I neglected to compile and send mine into you guys. I was afraid she was going to say, and I realized that you're all wrong. <laughs> so let me explain to you. <laughs> I've rewritten all 33 in the order they should be in. Um, hope you guys don't mind if my Top 10 arrives a little bit late to the party. An overwhelming amount of good movies came out this year, and I didn't get around to seeing all of them. For instance, I'm beating myself over the head that I didn't get to see Dunkirk in the IMAX. Yeah, should have done that. And I still haven't seen Coco or Shape of Water or Baby Driver. But I did get around to seeing several movies this year in the theaters, and I enjoyed almost all of them, and talking about some of them with you guys on the podcast episodes. So needless to say that my list is more reflective of the quality of films I saw, not necessarily of all the films that came out this year. Yeah. I'll give my rundown and a short review explanation of each entry. Um, I wonder if I can bring back film explosion sound effects. I was wow. just going to say, the, the, the punishment, we do care, and the punishment she has for, for writing in late is that she doesn't get included in the film explosion. She gets included <laughs> in the January 15th episode, uh, which is much less interesting. All right, here we go. Number 10, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. It was fun, a little, but a little wacky, and ridiculous for most people. But I still liked it a lot better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That was a, that was a Bold visceral statement. reaction. Bold statement. I like it, man. Uh, yeah, daring. Yep. Uh, Colin Firth and Taron Egerton really hold this movie together for me. Plus, Mark Strong singing John Denver was a great moment. That was a great sure, moment yeah, in that movie. That was good. Oh. Number nine, Murder on the Orient Express. Awesome. Well-acted, well-crafted, and an all-around good movie but just not quite as spectacular, and that's in air quotes, as many of these other entries. Shockingly, 8 is Justice League. I wow. only saw it once, but I'd be willing to give it a second chance. Really enjoyed the character interactions when they weren't spouting off ridiculous exp exposition or fighting CGI bugs. Those two things did. <laughs> okay. Right down. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number 7, Blade Runner 2049. Hell yeah. I liked the movie a lot more than I thought I would. Beautiful cinematography. Uh, beautiful cinematography and atmosphere and drew me into the world plus some great acting from ryan gosling the thing that annoys me about it the most though is spoilers 
Uh, how the hell a replicant had a child? Spoilers. Which I don't know how that. Um, it, isn't that the point, though? What? Isn't that the point of the film? Yeah. though? Is like, well, how did this happen? Yeah, I mean, I I think the big question is whether or not a a uh, series six, because so so uh, what is it? Uh, series is it series six or series seven that actually gets skipped in the canon, um, right? Because she's a series six, and then uh, Batista at the beginning is a series eight. Uh-huh. They skip, I think, series sevens. And the implication is that Deckard is a Series 7. So the question is whether or not a Series 6 or a Series 7 is designed so that is is basically Tyrell's, like, perfect vision of of a replicant and that it can reproduce. It is a real living thing. Mm. Um, and then, of course, by the time they get back to Series 8 and the company is going downhill, then he, like, he can't, I feel, they can't replicate anymore. I feel like, I mean... I'd love explanations for it, but at the end of the day, I feel like when I watched both of them back to back, it felt like I didn't really need to overthink it too much. Yeah, but oh, but a good question. But when a man bot loves a woman bot, God damn it! There's also a world with flying cars and replicants. So right, right away they make robot babies, and like... it's assuming that Los Angeles didn't fall into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they built a big wall just for that reason. Um, so yeah, it addresses the issue. The writer can. <laughs> Just say it happens. Yeah. Uh, number six, Logan. Yeah. Awesome. It's been a, a while since I saw it, but I really enjoyed the second act about the weird, dysfunctional three-generation road trip. But the first and third acts both felt a bit long. Still, it was a well-done movie and a great way to put Hugh Jackman's Wolverine to rest. No argument there. Yeah. It's a great one. Number five, it's Wonder Woman. The best. This movie was a long time coming, but it felt a bit wonky in parts. Otherwise, I would have put it higher. I love Gal Gadot. Or Gal Gadot. We still don't know. How do we not know? I think it's a good note. <laughs> and Chris Pine in this film. And appreciated that it was set during World War One, as it was a nice change of pace. I'm very excited to see what happens in the sequel, if they're going to make one. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to make one. <laughs> I kind of talked to the writer. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of money available. Um, number four, Thor Ragnarok. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This was an all-around fun movie with a surprising amount of heart and drama behind it. Coop. On the surface, it's an entertaining romp where Thor gets lost in a crazy world with a healthy amount of synth music in the background. <laughs> Damn right. For a second, I thought you said well, a healthy amount like of synth. <laughs> <laughs> but at its core, it's a story about regaining what's what was lost and saving what is most important, the people. Surprisingly, my least favorite part of the movie with Kate, was Kate Blanchett's hammy version of Hella. But even that was fine. A lot of heart, a lot of humor, and a lot of fun, which like is what the Marvel movies are best at. I like Plus, it's about 800 times better than the previous two Thor movies. Uh, oh, stab in the heart. Okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. Quick, help James up. He fainted. Oh, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. He yells his, I mean, he, he yells his father into a coma. It's Shakespearean, <laughs> Ken, man. Kenneth Branagh. What did you say, J- or Henry? I mean, I agree with her. So. <laughs> My, my least favorite part of that film was Kate Blanchett. And that's coming from like, a person who loves Kate Blanchett. Is that whenever they got to Kate Blanchett's character, I was like, let's get back to Thor because that's the fun part. <laughs> so. True. Uh, number three, Beauty and the Beast. As discussed before, cool. this movie had a lot to live up to for me and, and others of my generation who grew up on the original animated film. I feel like they strengthened the writing without losing the magic behind this love story. This film benefited from dream casting. And while there are still little aspects about it that bug me, like Emma Watson and some other people singing, 
I'm surprised oh. it turned out as well as it did. And I can't wait to watch again. I thought she was saying, there's some things that bug me, like Emma Watson. Period. Yeah. No one points out critical Dream points. Dream like except for Emma Watson. Yeah. Really, really amazing casting. But Emma Watson. Uh, number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. This year we saw a lot of dour superhero movies. Well, except Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Right. There are three just on this list. Uh, that is true. She's right. There are three on her list. But this movie was not one of them, which was a very welcome change of, change of pace. This movie manages to do something that feels nigh impossible. Perfectly balance a peppy teen drama storyline with a Marvel Universe superhero storyline. It was inspiring, upbeat, energetic, humorous, witty, and heartfelt. The serious moments, such as when Peter is trying to lift the building, don't take away from the happier, funnier moments, and it can be hard for films like this to balance the tonal shift. But this movie did it so well. Plus, I just had a blast watching it, and definitely wouldn't mind owning it. Cool. If Ryan were here, um, he would agree, but also be sad that it's number two. <laughs> <laughs> True. So what's number one? Drum All right. Home? Her favorite movie of 2017, astonishingly, is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Awesome. Wow. I know that a lot of people were disappointed in this movie. But hey, but, but fuck them. Like, who cares? Yeah, they're the ro- they're, they're wrong. Dum-dums. Right. Yeah, dum-dums. And Archeota. That's all you need, man. Oh, man. Um, and the first time I came out of the theater, I was like, huh. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were. Yeah, I've talked to. Except for me, I was like, "Yeah, let it burn." <laughs> yeah. Um, but having seen it three more times since then, wow, cool. Uh, and having a blast each time, this movie was astounding. Well shot, well written, well directed. Agreed. I know people will disagree and say that they don't like what Ryan Johnson did with Snoke or Luke Skywalker. But they're dum dums. <laughs> or where the Star Wars universe is going now. But they're dum dums. <laughs> but as you guys discussed, I think people need to stop looking for the Star mo- Star Wars movie they want to see and start watching the Star Wars movie they were given mm-hmm. because it's really because it's really good. One of this movie's themes is about letting go of the past and moving on from the romanticized romanticized nostalgia of the olden days. Uh, Zach is throwing up the horns like Anarchy Yoda, Yoda still. <laughs> um, the torch has been passed to the next generation as we see in that last shot with the little kid. And whether you like it or not, it's what happened. And the little crybabies need to stop complaining that this movie should have been taken out of the canon because they are certainly far worse Star because there are certainly far worse Star Wars movies than The Last Jedi. I mean, even the biggest of naysayers can't deny that this movie had some great action scenes. From flawless acting from Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley and some amazing music from John Williams. Period. This <laughs> <laughs> so the gauntlet's been thrown like yeah. pretty damn hard right now. <laughs> I actually didn't find like the score that stand out ish. Yeah, like, he it's a it's a movie. Yeah, I think he intentionally. Yeah, yeah, I think he intentionally kind of stays out of the way because it's a movie. It's a movie that is actually kind of dour and about failure and like there's not a lot of big. The big, powerful, like sweeping moments that would normally get a huge John Williams score are actually characters making the wrong decision a lot of the time. So he kind of like pulls his punches a lot. Um, I, I think I heard he's back for the third one, which is great. Yes, yes. That was kind of a question Gonna mark. Cross that off the news. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Well, at least the show's shorter. <laughs> for myself, I can't wait for episode nine, and I can't wait to see this movie in theaters for the fifth time. Wow. Cool. P.S. Sorry, that was a lot longer than I had initially planned. Seriously. But thanks for reading it, smiley face. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad you wrote one in. Yeah. That's really great. 
yeah. really took the uh, time and effort to put a comprehensive list together. Appreciate it. I want yeah. her review of The Last Jedi to be em- embrazened in bronze and put on like the internet, like the 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 internet for all the haters to you, see. You want us to go find the internet and hang it on the outside of the internet? Yeah, from it's, a... it's Mark Rylance from Ready Player One, isn't it? He's the internet, right? Right, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you read in. That's and that's awesome. fan mail for this week. Cool. All right. Well, what, Brad, Brad, since you're running this show, what are we doing next? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Let's do some DVD releases. Okay. What's coming out this week? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Blade Runner 2049, uh, which uh, made a lot of our top ten lists of last year, um, and we just discussed a minute ago. Um, it's getting its 4K releases. There's a steelbook. Ooh, ah, man, almost knocked my whole mic off of the table. Uh, there's a steelbook version that uh, Brad gloats that he's getting that I'm not. I'm not gloating. I'm just saying. Uh, you held it over my head quite a bit. It's only because you didn't know about it. That's why I didn't know about it. Yeah, like yeah I tend not to pay that much attention to the steelbook ones. Like, and I just buy everything off Amazon because then they just ship it to my house. Possibly crushed. <laughs> well, yeah, especially if it's made out of tin. Not made out of good American plastic like my Blu-rays are. Matinee is out from Shout Select. Yeah. Uh, which, from my phone, appears to be a movie where giant ant people crawl out of a teeth out of a movie screen. Not really. It's um, it's it's a it's a the ant movie is a movie within the movie. It's actually about the communist witch hunt. Oh, but it's an allegory movie. It's fun. It's from Joe Dante. Uh, Happy Death Day is out on Blu-ray this week. Uh, which is that horror movie? Well, which one was that? Zach? It's, it's from Blumhouse. It's PG thirteen, and um, I'll see it eventually. It's, uh, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, a horror yeah. Movie. That's right. It was the Groundhog Day movie where people die a lot. Yeah, I'm okay. interested in it. Cool. Um. Let's see. Well, what else do we have here? Uh, the Snowman is out on Blu-ray this week, uh, which was that uh, Kendall from the Alamo said that was the worst movie she saw last year. Yeah, um, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> it, it, appa- it apparently had a torturous production, and um, oh, which sucks because it's from the director of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So yeah, I thought the trailer looked really good. I I actually wanted to see it. So <laughs> well, it's um, only two minutes of a two-hour train tra- train wreck. Apparently, so that's fair. <laughs> Uh, Better Call Saul season two. Uh, three. Oh, sorry, season three. Yes, you're right. Is that on Netflix or is that on Blu-ray? Uh, Beyond Skyline. I want to point this out because the movie Skyline got a re- <laughs> uh, got a sequel. Um, I saw it. And wait, you saw Beyond Skyline? <laughs> I saw it. Oh I my goodness, it. Henry! <laughs> Henry, tell us. It's so good. It's so, He's good. so not bored anymore. I've actually heard it's pretty good. So it looks like the monster is a giant it's Cthulhu not as robot. Bad as Skyline. What? But it's still a Skyline film. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not good. So it's, it's so it's both it's it's there's positives and negatives here is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, there's still negatives. No, I Way said there's positives, positives and negatives. That's what I said. <laughs> I think he's saying there's only there's like negatives. maybe oh. two positives. Oh, okay. And like twenty eight negatives. I actually saw like decent reviews for this film on like bloody disgusting and whatnot. So I generally trust them. Before I mean, stuff, but... it's primarily getting good reviews because it's not as bad as Skyline. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so. Oh, man. That's pretty good. Uh, You're the Hunter from the Future, which is an animated movie from 1983, uh, where a guy who looks a whole lot like... um, Oh, shoot. What's the uh, Masters of the Universe? What's that dude's name? He-Man. He-Man. There's a guy on the front who looks a lot like He-Man, and he's fighting some kind of uh, um, stormtrooper-looking dudes. Um, So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe check that out. 
Uh, anyway, I think that's that's pretty much everything. Um, there's a I don't know what my neighbor the Yamadas is. It's uh, Studio Ghibli. Oh yeah, uh, Whisper Whisper of the Heart. It's got a Blu-ray release this week as well, yeah. which is a Studio Ghibli movie. There's a Criterion for I Daniel Blake. Wasn't that one of your favorite films, Henry? Uh, it was a film that I did an art house asshole review for, but I did not like it. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought it was one of your film explosions. Uh, but well, too bad. Criterion no, it, uh, does clearly the it, opposite. It, uh, it won con, uh, I think, in 2016. Uh, I was pretty disappointed by it, but it's like I don't know. It's a very British film, so if you want to see like a, a then that's kind of why I disliked it because it's hard to relate to as an American. But for all of our British listeners, all zero of them. You can check this out, and uh, I think you'd like it. So, it's, uh, it's not my cup of teeth. It's a very slow-moving, very minimalistic edited uh, kind of film uh, that's about a sad old man who can't afford to eat. So, yeah. how how similar to Downton Abbey is it? Not. Then I don't. I don't. I don't want to see At it. All. <laughs> I don't want to see that. Do you have any Street Sharks fans in the audience? Because what? you can get what? all 40 episodes, the complete series, on DVD <laughs> and digital. Oh, man, that's Street cool. Sharks. Holy shit. Uh, there's a movie called from Severin Films. There's a movie called And Now the Screaming Starts from 1973. <laughs> this is a pretty great uh, cover where they just took a, a photo of a, of a woman screaming, and then they just kind of stretched it to make it look like she's getting sucked into a vortex or something. And there's a man with a cut on his hand. Ooh. Wounded hands. <laughs> so yeah, maybe check out and now the screaming starts. Um, I'm seeing a cover for something called the Cemetery Club. What? And it's a bunch of old people, uh, like at a diner on it, and that's just like a sad pairing. <laughs> uh, to call for the elderly to call themselves the Cemetery is Club. It, is and- it a is it a sequel to the Breakfast Club? <laughs> oh my god, it might be. <laughs> um I mean, there's there's a redheaded girl, so that that might be um, what's her name's character. Yeah, does anybody shake Parmesan cheese out of their hair? <laughs> I can't wait for Zach to watch this film in November. <laughs> He'll be like, "Oh, I know all these old people that are in this movie." <laughs> it's, it's it's actually a uh, Danny Aiello, Ellen Burstyn, Olympia Dukakis, Diane Ladd. But those are so, all people I'm aware of. <laughs> yep. So Zach, Zach will be seeing it. All right, I'll find it and watch it. <laughs> I think that's it. And then take that title and use it for a better movie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Next week's pretty good. Oh, yeah. You guys want to watch Groundhog Day in 4K? Because I do. <laughs> watch. So many pixels that I just did, never noticed before. <laughs> watch Groundhog Day for the groundbreaking, groundbreaking cinematography. Man. Oh, are 4K. we also getting Jigsaw this week, too? No, it's no next that's week. next week. Oh, okay. But who, who gives a shit? Cool. Thanks, so, Henry. Cool. Speaking of Henry, uh, what snooty movie did you watch this week? Uh, jokes on you. I didn't. Not, this week is a white coats episode, which means an exploitation film. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, uh, this is uh, it's a film called Vampiros Lesbos. Uh, which yeah. Which I'm pretty sure means vampire lesbians. Oh, I'm uh, pretty sure it does too. It's uh, sorry, Ryan's not here, so I have to be creepy. Yeah. No, it's fine. This film's not, like, not creepy. So, um, <laughs> it's a film made by Jesus Franco. Uh, who, Probably uh, Jesus Franco, but big continue. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> James Franco has a brother that's uh, not Dave yeah, Franco. Uh, Jesus. 
Um, <laughs> and it's Jesus. That would make sense because he's so prolific. I would expect his brother has to be Jesus. Unless it is James yeah. Franco's alter <gasps> ego disguise. Jesus Franco. If so, he's, he's not even trying with the last so name. Hey, you guys, it's pronounced Jesus. Uh, just, you know, after uh, after Kanye changed it, it's now it's now Jesus Franco. No. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a performance art thing. Yeah. Sorry, Henry. Keep going. Yeah, sorry, Henry. Go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> this film doesn't really deserve that much praise. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's from the 70s. Uh, Jesus Franco is a like huge name. It might be Jesus Franco. He's a huge name uh, uh, exploitation film, filmmaker. He's made like 175 films. He still works today. He still makes films. Uh, but this is his most famous one. It was made in the 70s. Uh, I get really into the de- details of like how they made it when it was released. Because, I mean, the main actress was like killed like a like four months after making this film oh no uh it's a it's a fascinating film to read about but basically it's about this uh this american who's clearly not american and is living in turkey and then she like is like i want to go to this island and they're like why and then it's revealed that there's this vampire this hot vampire who's there and she's like i want this linda girl to come to my island so i'm gonna hypnotize her to come to my island and then she does. And so then Linda's like, I'm going to go to this island. And then someone's like, hey, don't go to that island. And she's like, why? And he goes, meet me in the basement at midnight. And so then, and so then she goes, she's like, all right. And so she goes down to the basement at midnight. And he's just like torturing someone down there. And he's like surprised when she shows up. So I don't know what his intent was with this. If it was like, ah, time got away from me, and all of a sudden this woman is now seeing me torture this one guy. It was weird. But then she goes to the island. Um, she goes to the island, and then she meets up with uh, Countess Nadine, who's a vampire, and the two just kind of hang out and like just have a lot of sex and hang out naked a lot. Uh, and then she goes crazy and goes to like a mental hospital. But then she goes back and hangs out with the I vampire would. again. And then I don't... I mean, I was try, I paid like very close attention to this film because I was kind of lost. But then <laughs> everyone just dies in the end. Like, just is brutally murdered, and I don't know who murdered them, or really who they are. <laughs> just, like, a lot of people just die in the end of the film. Probably vampires. Yeah. <laughs> or werewolves. <clears throat> yeah. No werewolves. It's not... It's, it's, not, it's not werewolfos vampiros. Or werewolfos lesbanos. It's vampiros lesbanos. (laughs) (sighs) So, so yeah. I mean, I go really into detail on, like, all the different aspects of the film that are actually kind of interesting. It's actually not super poorly made. I mean, there's, like... It was made in the 70s, maybe in the 60s. I think No, it was in the 70s, I think. Yeah, 74, I think, is what I want to say is when it was released. And it has a lot of, like, handheld footage, which is pretty rare of that decade. Uh, And, uh... So there's some, there are some redeemable and interesting parts of this film, but it's also a film called Vampiros Lesbos, so you can't really expect too much from it. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, White Coats for this week. My kind of plan for uh, my reviews in what I'm calling season two of my life of reviewing for the website is that whenever I can't find or just don't want to watch a pretentious art house film in theaters... I'm going to watch one of these instead. Cool. That way I'm not forcing myself to see something just that's awful and boring. So I think that's cool. fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, make an intro for that too. 
and send it to me. <laughs> okay, I will. Before Ryan I does. Will. Is Vampiros Lesbos the original title for Refn's movie, The Neon Demon? <laughs> I actually thought, first when he was first starting, I was like, this kind of sounds like a weird lady vampire version of The Wicker Man. Uh, with all of this, like, going to islands and secret things on islands. And then the lesbian vampire showed up, and I was like, oh, wait, this is totally different. Does it star Nicolas Cage in drag? Ooh. <laughs> no, but the remake will. Yes. That's yeah, right. That'll be great. Henry, start writing it. Let's, let's get this done. You act like I haven't written it already. <laughs> <laughs> he's writing it as he's watching the movie. Yeah, he was writing it when he was 12, and he was writing, like, vampire fan fiction. Then Clearly Lady you Nicholas haven't read my review. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome! Thanks, Henry. No problem. Uh, so what's in the news, guys? It's real news. Paddington Two has become the fourth film to hit one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Henry, you can see the smile on his fucking face. Henry, you can't just log into Rotten Tomatoes and hit. <laughs> Five stars, like eight hours a day. You got to do something else, you man. You can't pretend to be the zombie of Roger Ebert. <laughs> the smug look on his face hey. is so <laughs> fantastic right now. Who would have thought you that would. the film that I chose to be the number one film of 2017 is actually the number one film is... of 2017, according to every critic? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be like that dickhead did to Ladybird. I'm just going to go in and, and tank it. Yeah. <laughs> This movie, not as good as the first one. Uh, I think it really ruins like the character of Paddington. I don't understand. Paddington Bear would never do this. Bears he... are not people. This is illogical. <laughs> he was he was definitely you know a good bear in the first one. For him to be tempted by the dark side is very, very wrong. I don't like that this movie had women in it. <laughs> What if they do, like, a crossover between Star Wars and Paddington? Oh, my God. That, just, that would just be the best film for can Yoda? Can Yoda fight Paddington? Can Paddington use a lightsaber? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Paddington could do anything, so probably. <laughs> He's such a klutz, though. He'd but, probably just, like, cut someone's head off on accident. But would Paddington trade yeah, in his... Yeah, and it would be adorable. Would he trade in his marmalade sandwiches for a <laughs> yeah. lightsaber? I don't know. Like, oh, these marmalade sandwiches sound good. Well, that's fantastic. Anyway, that's news. Um, <laughs> cool. What do we do next? Uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, Shane Black is writing for the Avengers, but what? not the Marvel Avengers. He's writing for that British Avengers show. They're going to make a, thing. Gonna make a movie adaptation of that um, that will hopefully be better than the one that uh, Sean Connery was in, because that movie is bad. <laughs> um, like, real bad. Uh, in some actual Marvel news, though, we got, uh, we got, our, we got our first look at Venom. Did you, guys, did you guys take a look at Venom this week? He looks we, like a guy in a we get, shirt. We, we get to see Tom Hardy's Venom. Kind of looks like Tom Hardy in every other Tom Hardy movie, except yeah. for the are, are ones. We, are we sure that this film isn't just an art house film that no. just happens to be called Venom? No. And I, then it just got kind of carried away in production. They're like, oh, no, we now need to like actually throw in some symbiote or something. When it's really about how he's just like this dark soul who's poisonous to those around him, it's... He's, it's just venom to everyone around him. It's no, a, I'm confident that's exactly what this is. It's a deep interpretation of the uh, you know the male psyche split into the duality of uh, good and evil, uh, and struggling to reconcile each of those halves of your id and ego. 
I think it's a. I think I it's can't a poor. Review it for art house asshole. <laughs> I think it's a poor man's version of Drive, uh, in which the uh, the main character is actually something of a serial killer, but like a vigilante serial killer. Um, and then right at the end, they were like, "Oh, and he does it because of aliens." Um, and that's that's the only thing that's different. But the rest of it's going to be the same. There's going to be like you know just quiet romantic scenes and conversations about what it means to be in love with a serial killer from Michelle Williams. She's going to cry a lot, but like sometimes for no reason. I can't wait this wait for this to be my number one film of the year. <gasps> oh my goodness, that'll be so good. Throw that in. For- oh. Oh my God. Uh, in other news, Gambit got delayed, which uh, honestly, my interpretation of, of Gambit getting delayed is, hey, we're never going to get that Gambit movie because it's why? Like, uh, in other news, hey, there was a Gambit movie that was delayed a couple times and now it's delayed again. Yeah. <laughs> a- any Fox Marvel movie that isn't already in production is probably not going to get made like in all, you know, realistically, um, you know, get shoved into the X-Men movie. So, yeah. Uh, Deadpool two got moved up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So we'll see that sooner. Um, uh christian bale if you especially if you were on reddit for some reason this was a very popular story this week that christian bale came out and said that he never wanted to do terminator salvation um which isn't news to anybody who saw a terminator salvation Mm -hmm. um because it's real obvious and i have argued for so many years that he is the reason why that movie isn't good because he like came in and wanted the movie to be if he was going to do it it needed to be more about john connor so they added all those garbage scenes that like don't make any sense that he's in. Uh, whereas if he were only in that movie for five minutes at the end, that movie would be great. Um, well, good for you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. And Terminator Salvation is the movie where yep. that came out, too. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Sheesh. Christian Bale. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. <laughs> anyway. Um, in actual, like kind of cool huge but also funny news uh movies are no longer illegal in saudi arabia uh which is kind of cool uh they there was a decision on december 11th of last year that they were going to start allowing like cinema movies to be shown again uh and they kicked it off with the emoji movie so good job saudi arabia you really figured that one out and then the, hey, hey, it's, it's the ban baby steps man baby steps yeah um man uh yeah and they yeah i was gonna say and then they immediately banned them again um good job brad uh is what we've been missing right yeah holy shit uh somebody please stop paying attention to america because oh my goodness what are they doing over there Mm -hmm. um and then last movie in my top 10 (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i think it is the top 10 if you're in saudi arabia um (laughs) Uh, I'll, 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 uh, I can't get words out of my mouth. Al Pacino, which is hard to say, um, and uh, what's his face, uh, the pretty boy. What's his face? Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio are going to be in that Manson movie with uh, with Quentin Tarantino. Actually, Al Pacino is just like he wants him. He wants Pacino. But he's got. Who knows he's got Leo happen. though. Yeah. Um, um, I I didn't read the article though. I don't know if he says he who he is playing. If he is playing Manson or not. I don't think he's really. No. I don't he, think he should because no. like it. Oh, Man- what if what if they're playing different ages of Manson and like Al Pacino is crazy old Manson and then like DiCaprio is young? Oh, young, I was a cult leader. Young, oh. really good at getting girls to fall in love with him, uh, Manson. Oh, like, squeaky, go on out there. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, That's actually pretty good. Um, That's what happens when you're short. You can talk like Pacino. (laughs) No. Um, I'm I'm excited for this. Like, he's, he seems like he's putting a lot of, like, 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 he's throwing a lot of force behind it. And just based on, like, how he was talking prior to even announcing this film, I'm excited for it. So. Yeah, I'll. (laughs) But I realize, though, if it, when it comes out next year. And it's my number one movie of 2019. I'm going to have to find ways to prove that you're wrong for hating it. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who's been disappointed by his last two films, I <laughs> will see this movie. And then I will Did judge you whether like it's Django is fine. I was disappointed by Django, but it's, it's pretty good. I just, I have, like, I don't think it's amazing. It was like, it was an off film. It was, it was one that I would discuss in the lower section of his catalog. Um, okay, that's fair. Especially coming off of Hateful Eight, or not Hateful Eight, um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. It's like, you know, you're you're literally at your peak, and then you make this movie, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're you, you just, it's fun, and there's some cool stuff. I think the ending kind of drags, um, but uh, but yeah, and then Hateful Eight is is fucking just a pile of shit. Um, but you know, whatever. To it's, each a deli- own. it's a delicious pile of shit. So no, and I'll scoop it into my mouth all day. No, yes, no. <laughs> or, or by all means, I guess. I, it would yeah, be whatever you awkward, want to do. That would be an awkward. Thank you for that image. <laughs> yeah, moving awkward, on. It would be an yeah. awkward conversation on the back of the Hateful Eight Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> a delicious pile of shit that I want to shove into my mouth. Zach Eastman, Zach Eastman. Eastman. podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'll be on the Steelbook out next year. I can't wait till 20 years from now when like the podcast is over and we're browsing DVD shelves and like we start to see <laughs> quotes from our show on the back of these. <laughs> oh, look, uh, the Hateful Eight. <laughs> Delicious polish shit that I'd like to shove in my mouth. Zach Eastman. Uh, Blade Runner or uh, Fifth Element. It's like Blade Runner drawn by a 10 year old. Yes. <laughs> that's still my favorite one. Yeah. Like they're not it's even true. trying to sell these anymore. It is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. Um, Rosemary's Baby. Polanski sucks, Ryan Frost. <laughs> well, that's just true. I'm not watching this, Ryan Frost. Yeah. yeah that's all it would be. Yeah. I'm morally opposed to viewing this film. Uh, Annie Hall. Ew, Ryan Frost. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, Only other thing I have written down here is this really cool sort of fan theory so far about Avengers 4 and 5 and that there's a whole time travel plot, um, which I think is is awesome and pretty likely. Um, And then that's not really news. Okay. Is there anything I forgot? Um, no? We had the Golden Globes, but... Yeah, who gives a shit? They're the Golden <laughs> Globes. Yeah. I don't even give that many shits about the Oscars. I, I give enough shits about the Oscars to say, hey, these things... Like, here's a couple things that won, and it was surprising. But, but your, uh, your, your, your film there, your, your three billboards... Did uh, well. Did very well. Yeah. Which was which interesting because it looked like it was kind of losing momentum in the race, so... Yeah, we'll but... Uh, it's oh, and Guillermo, so. and Guillermo won Best Director, and his speech was awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, uh, cool. Also, they also announced that uh, Guardians Three will be the first film of uh, Wave Four or whatever. Oh yeah, yep. Coming in twenty twenty, right? May, oh, the the uh, yep. Black Panther presales are like <sighs> ranking to be the highest selling you know presales for an, a Marvel film ever. Uh, that's right. Um, which is pretty crazy. That movie is coming up soon. Like that's gonna be the earliest Marvel movie of any year. Um, if if February becomes the new March, man, I I think um, Marvel has finally caught on that you can just put your movie out 
when you have this much demand, you just put your movie out whenever. There's no <laughs> yeah like seasonal strategy anymore. Yeah. And because uh, yeah, what, uh, what came out? I mean, I think four months ago was Ragnarok. No, three months ago was Ragnarok. Yeah. And then and three November? months after yeah. Panther will be Avengers. Avengers. Avengers 4, so yeah. I think they're on a three month cycle. And, then, and three, I yeah. think even after that, like almost immediately after that, is Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. So. Yeah, because that's this fall. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, they're they're the ones who are like single handedly pushing the summer up more and more each year, mm-hmm. um, which I gladly welcome. Especially something like sometime like last year when then the summer ended up being pretty disappointing. Um, so yeah, they're just spreading stuff out, and yeah, I, I you're right. I think Quarterly, it makes a lot I guess of sense. It would, that would be yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh man, if they got to a Marvel movie every quarter, holy shit! You want to hear some some internet fanboys like really start bitching about how much they hate so many getting so many sequels every year? Oh my goodness! Oh, and yeah. then also pay twice right. to see them in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, he and then bitch and moan again. about how much they don't like this one. And yet they go to see all of them. Oh my gosh! The internet is a terrible place, guys. Just terrible. Ticket and concession prices are too high, but I'll pay them. Yeah, right. I hate this movie, but I'll watch it. Why <laughs> is there nothing original? I'm not gonna see Lady Bird. <laughs> um, cool. I think that's news. Anything else? Don't think so. Cool. Brad, what are we doing next? Um, so I'm gonna take you guys around town. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. All right, park yourselves at the Esquire Theater, because this weekend, the midnight uh, movie is My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, cool. Which I have not seen. Oh. But it's the 30th anniversary, apparently. I don't, it's good. Are you, have you I've gone? Seen it. Hmm? Have, you, have you seen it before? No. Or, sorry, sorry. Are you going is actually the... the... Um, I Maybe Friday night, because Saturday I'll be in LA, so... Oh, gotcha. You'll be in I don't know if you'd like it or not. Hmm? Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know if you would like it or not. I don't love I think it you as much. Like, it's very much a kid's film. Yeah. yeah. Like if, you need to be like in love with Miyazaki to like that film as an adult. Um, That's discouraging. Because, uh, yeah, Ponyo was like, uh, this is for babies. Um, oh, it's better than it's Ponyo. It's better than Ponyo. I will say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'll give it a chance. There's no reason not to. Yeah, you you need to at least see it because it's Yeah, total. I don't know. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, and then um, let's see what else is going on. Uh, open screen night is cool. January thirtieth, so I'll keep promoting that. Um, we are sponsoring one of the many prizes, uh, so if you can uh, turn in a two to ten minute uh, short film about uh, uh, the theme of the month, which is a sixteen bit challenge, uh, you know whatever that is, that's up to you. Um, and Real Nerds will be the judge of the best version of that. Ooh, and. Um, Include the phrase "All your base are belong to us." All your somewhere base. in there. All your base are belong to us. And you could win fifty dollars in Amazon gift card. Someone set us up the bomb. Am I That's like the earliest meme. What? What? Am I disqualified? Am I not allowed to submit? Well, uh, I mean, if you show up at Open Screen Night, then you would qualify. You have to be there to represent your film. So, um, sorry. Yeah. You can fly in. I'm still think. I'm still debating if I if I can come up with an idea in the next two days. I might film it on my iPhone. <laughs> um, I want. I wanted to do an. I wanted to do an idea that I thought would be really cool, but I have to get my. I want to do it with my nephew. So <laughs> hopefully. But if you did fly in, uh, I don't think anyone from Real Nerds Podcast is actually going to be there to judge it. So you could get away with pretending to I be not part of it. Myself. 
I yeah. just switched myself. Yeah. Just vote for yourself. <laughs> Wear a um, false mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then there's um, going to be a pretty cool challenge scenario we've built, which I'm really excited about and really depressed I'm not going to get to watch. Oh. So. Why, are you not going to be there? Yeah, I, I have to do a job oh. in another state. Dang. Cause, and I'll be there, too. Oh, that's right. Because you two fools work together. Right. So James and I will be working. Ryan just doesn't go to open screen night. Zach is too paralyzed. Bro- broken. <laughs> broken. And Harry's my, in another state. It's your own fault. You keep bashing my knee in with a lead pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I love Itania. It's such a great movie. I want to emulate it. But why do I have to be Nancy Kerrigan? <laughs> I'm too fat. I think we all know. I just want to hear you say, why, why, why? Why? <laughs> all right. Um, and I think that's Thanks. it for... Oh, and EFP is uh, on Thursday. Emerging <laughs> Filmmakers Project cool. this week. So, um, and you'll Thursday probably the find out. Eighteenth. <laughs> Thursday the eighteenth or seventeenth. Seventeenth. Yeah, it's three days away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, Karg and Sorrow will be screening there, but uh, this is not enough lead time for anyone to care. <laughs> <laughs> to try and go see it. So. Well, and at this point, because it's on the internet, millions of people have already seen it. Yeah. So. Steven yeah. Spielberg just said it was one of his favorite movies of all time. Really? Yeah. It, was, it was on Tarantino's list this year. I respect his work. Really? For the post? Yeah. Oh, cool. And that's what's going on around town. Cool. What's next? I think we're at the reason we're here. No, we're not. Because we haven't talked about what we've been watching. Oh, I was just going to gloss this over This is all. why you don't host. No, I never get a chance to. Of course, I'd screw up. Uh, no, I was actually just trying to like not do that segment this week. <laughs> oh, I have things I saw. Yeah. We're not doing it. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> what did you watch this week, James? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Uh, I started watching some Black Mirror because that new season came out. And, you know, I, I didn't see any of season three, which was, was like the first, you know, Netflix season. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so first I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this thing a shot, you know, again, um, even though I feel like British sci-fi is very hit and miss and whatever. But a big part of the motivation was that there's a se- there's an episode in season three that's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, and I was like, oh, I should go watch that one. Uh, so I went and watched that one, um, and it's, a, it's an episode about, like, VR, and this guy sort of... Um, he agrees to do this like this VR thing where they're implanting this stuff in his brain and then and it's and it feeds off his fear so it's like a VR you know scary video game that learns what things you're more afraid of and then like incorporates that into the game more and more until eventually like bad things happen. Um, I've seen this one. Yeah, it's got White Russell in it. I don't know who White Russell is. Uh, it's got a guy with long hair. He puts yeah. a. He's got a yeah thing. It's from. He was in a movie from, I saw this week actually. Oh okay cool. Um, he's Kurt Russell's kid. He was in, I think, uh, oh, yes. Jump, 22 Jump Street. Yes. Yeah, so this this is from not the new season, but the right. season before yeah, I've that. I've seen this one. Okay, um, keep going. But I was just like, well, I'll start with that one because I ne- never got around to seeing that one. Um, and then I was like, okay, cool. That, that was pretty good. Um, you know, a good episode of Black Mirror. Um, so I'll keep going. So I jumped forward to season four and started season four. And season four is an, uh, uh, an episode about um, this guy who has uh he basically gets sucked into uh a vr video game 
um, and ends up losing his mind playing a VR video game. If it sounds the same, it's because it fucking is. Um, my, <laughs> I, I think it's actually pretty good so far. Like I, I, I'm watching them and kind of going like, oh, okay, these are, these are okay, somewhat interesting little sci-fi episodes. My biggest problem with with Black Mirror is that in in comparing it as I have to to Twilight Zone is that the premise of Black Mirror which is hey this is sort of all they're all stories about technology gone awry it kind of means they all have the same sort of tone they all follow in my opinion sort of the same kind of arc um they ask really interesting questions sometimes um, the second episode, which is about this woman who, um, when, it, when her daughter is really little, she like disappears all of a sudden. Um, and they find her a few hours later and she had just, you know, followed a cat off or whatever, but she implants this chip in the kid's brain that allows her from like an iPad to not just monitor where she is, but also see what she's seeing. And even there's like a parental control mode where anything that scares her daughter, she can turn this filter on and her daughter will just see like a blurry image and they won't hear. So like if her daughter's walking by a barking dog, she sees a blurry barking dog and then the, the even the sound is like deafened a little bit. Um, and that one goes some really interesting <laughs> places. But, you know, the the best episode without a doubt of Twilight Zone is an episode called Kick the Can that that not only has this sort of bitter story to it, but also has this really sweet and hopeful story to it. And that's the thing that will always, in my opinion, make, <laughs> make twilight zone infinitely superior. And the thing that, that black mirror is, is really missing, which is that every episode of black mirror is pretty much just depressing. Um, it's never uplifting. It's never like, yeah, they'll ask really interesting questions, but you know, it's always going to go bad. There's not actually a whole lot of tension because every episode you're just watching it going like, well, when's this person going to lose their mind or accidentally murder themselves? When are they going to end up being Hitler the entire time? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but even that one like has sort of a moral, you know, uh, focus to it. It's more like that episode where the guy, um, he's like, he's kind of going, he, he's kind of going crazy and he ends up jumping out of a window and then you you uh, you cut back and you realize he's been in his therapist's office and he's lost his mind and he he inside of his own mind jumped out the window and and sort of is now brain dead or whatever. Um, like it's like if every episode was that. Hmm. Um, and so it just while I find it interesting and the the sort of questions that that they're asking kind of cool, like I end up being disappointed by almost every episode because I'm like, oh okay, well. All you can think of is how can I make this technology go awry? And a lot of times it's stuff that like is kind of obvious. Like as soon as you see what the technology is that week, you go, oh yeah, I bet, I bet it's going to scare him a lot. And then he's going to lose his mind and then they'll cut back and be like, oh, whoops, I guess we shouldn't have this technology. Well, did, did you finish? No, this I'm only a few episodes in. So have you seen San Juparino yet? No. Mm. I was about to say. That's like, the exception. Yeah, oh, okay. that's the one that you should watch. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll just uh, skip forward and watch that one. I was sitting here trying to think, was there a dark ending to that that I missed? But yeah, yeah it's I was like that's an uplifting one. There's like one. a darker element to it, but it's a pretty it's a pretty optimistic episode. Good. So. That's what they need to do cuz it's the reason why I didn't like the first two seasons, like the real British seasons. Um also because in in those the one big thing is I'll say in the in the first two seasons, 
I would say half those episodes are straight bad. Like not even not even just always depressing. They're just not very good. The the stuff I've watched so far of season three and then season four, every episode has been well made and has been relatively well written and well directed and like has has been a good episode of a show. It's just kind of depressing. Um, so yeah, they should, they should I'll, make an episode I'll skip forward. They should make an episode of Black Mirror where it's a guy watching Black Mirror hoping for a happy ending, and the twist is he never finds it. Yeah, the moral of the story is. Don't, don't look don't for happiness Black in Black Mirror. Right, I know. I mean, I mean, it would win all the Emmys, that's guys. Kind, that's kind of one of the episodes. That's kind of one of the episodes of the new season. Oh, cool. really? <laughs> well, then that might be what I go watch. Yeah. One of the episodes should just be like the episode goes to black and so and just hangs there for a long time to the point where the person watching can see themselves reflected in the screen. <laughs> And then the words come up, you are the down ending <laughs> of this episode. Uh, that's pretty wow. good. Black, Mir- Black Mirror Black call Mirror. us to write an episode. Sick burn. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the only other thing that I saw this week uh, worth noting is uh, I got a chance to go see I, Tanya, um, which I wasn't here for last week, um, which is really good. I, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I will say I struggle. So before I went... Uh, I went with my fiance and her mom, and then they invited my mom as well. Um, but she was like, "Yeah, I don't want to go see a movie about that woman. I don't really like the fact that anyone is drawing attention to her. Like, I don't want people to talk about her. I don't want her to have any publicity. Like, I don't want to see that." Um, and I would say I kind of think she's right. Um, I watched this movie, and and it's uh, so I told Ryan that uh, when we, he and I went to see the post, and Ryan was like. Oh, no, man, you're good. <laughs> and then I went and saw the movie. And for the most part, I would say it's, you know, it is a Coen Brothers-esque kind of crime drama where stupid begets stupid begets stupid and her stupid mistakes snowball into something much dumber because of other dumb people being involved. And as a result, but but at the end, you do kind of walk away having a sense of like, well... But what she wanted to do wasn't so bad. But no, it was. What she wanted to do was pretty bad and not great. And and also all of this is with the giant grain of salt that, like, you know, whether or not her and the other people being interviewed are really telling the correct version of the story. Like, you know, I, I think it does actually make an effort to somewhat redeem her because i think if not then i don't know what the point of the film is or at least humanize her a little bit more than the press did yeah because uh, unfortunately when i walk away with the movie from the movie all i'm left with is kind of like a, a so what like there's no point here there's not i don't even i don't even think the movie does a great job of basically saying like hey this is why you should stay in school because poor people have poor ways um I don't even think it does that particularly well. Um, when it's done, I think the only thing I can walk away with is, yeah, I guess I feel bad for Tanya Harding. And then I remember, no, I kind of like, yes. Did something that she chose to do snowball into something terrible? Yes. Does that mean the final terrible thing is her fault? We can have that conversation, but in the same breath, we have to have a conversation of whether or not William H. Macy is responsible for his wife's death in Fargo because they're the same story. Like, he decides to do this thing that is basically just a little con, not a big deal. Like, it's a little bit worse because he's actually going to have her kidnapped, but, like, even that's not really real. And then he tries to call it off. And then it snowballs into something terrible. Same thing is true here. Like, if we believe their version of the story, she's only 
trying to send death threats to someone in order to make them not as good so she can beat them in the Olympics. Which, on its face, is fucking terrible. Like, I want you to be punished, and your punishment... Your punishment should be you never get to skate in the Olympics anymore because you tried to cheat at the Olympics. Like, and the movie does not really make that statement. Like, it doesn't take that side. I feel like it ends up sort of taking the, like, oh, man, she got beat a lot. And that's awful. It's an awful, awful life and an awful story. And I think the movie is funny. I think it's entertaining. Like, I had a great time. But when I was done and I walked out and I was, like, driving home, I realized there was sort of this sinking feeling where I went, oh, yeah, I don't really like the message of that movie at all. Um, so I don't know. I, I Yeah, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who disagree with me. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You obviously you're gonna like see a different movie in a way. Like like what I got out of it is it's like they saw these conflicting stories and they're not trying to make a documentary, they're just like, you know, if we find the median of all these these uh, accounts, mm-hmm. like there's a funny, interesting tale to be told. And I love it. And let's dramatize it to yeah. its like most absurd as, as absurd as we can go with it. And it'll be a really entertaining movie to watch. I think yeah. what he's saying is even in that absurdity, it's very hard to completely like it, you cannot justify her actions, but maybe you can empathize with her, I guess, to a degree. Well, yeah. And I would say I agree with Brett. That's the way I felt when I first walked out of the theater where I was like, oh, that was really funny. That was this like really wacky thing. And then I remembered back to like some of the promotional materials I'm seeing where like Tanya Harding is sitting next to Margot Robbie making these statements about how, you know, oh, I really hope this sets the record straight. And maybe maybe that's what colored the experience for me some was I went in like after 30 or 40 minutes, I started having this feeling of like, oh, but the the difference between this, the difference between this and Fargo or Logan Lucky or something like that, where you've got these sort of bumbling fools and this wacky sort of crime story is that this is real. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, this is a real person. And, and if the, mo- if the point of the movie is just, Hey, this is a really wacky crime drama. Okay. Um, then it's pretty good, but I, you wouldn't, some of the things that are in there, I just don't think you would put in a wacky crime drama or you wouldn't have like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're making they're making a move they're they're turning her into a character yeah and part of that character was saying like here's someone who was really talented at what they did right um but they weren't savvy enough or like intelligent enough to go on the path that a lot of successful people do um because she self-sabotaged her career in a way yeah um and then uh like what like the ending really hits me as like to lose like she wasn't the driving force of the according to the movie yeah she's not the driving force of like but she's an accomplice yeah uh an unwitting accomplice i guess uh because at some points like the each time i watch it it seems less and less like she really knows that there's even a letter plot going on it's like an idea at one point but she doesn't know that anyone's taking care of it because there's a part in the rink where uh uh, Sean and Jeff are talking and she's just like, go away. I'm trying to skate. I'm like, want to hear what you guys are talking about. And she like degrades Sean. Yeah. Um, but there's also when she's talking to the FBI agents and she's straight, like 
he stops her because she's about to say, well, we were just going to send letters to her, right? Like, she clearly knows it was a thing they were working on and and or, doesn't realize that it's bad. Or we don't know what she's going to say, but Jeff is so controlling that he just assumes that she's going to say something incriminating. Well, but I think she starts to, to say, I think she starts to say it was just letters or something like that. And then he uh, stops her. Um, but yeah, e- either way. Um, um, but yeah, as far as like being able to not like use your, like your amazing ability, mm-hmm. um, like, like that arc I thought was what they were going for. Not so much like redeeming this, you know, real figure, but just saying like, here's yeah. an artist that can't paint anymore. Right. Um, and this is how that downfall happens. I just don't know that the movie drives it home. You know, if, if this were, if this were an Aaron Sorkin script and sure it's on the nose, he would have had a scene like the one he has in Moneyball, where you, you take that character, put them in a room with somebody and have that person tell them, you realize this is what this, let me explain to you what just happened. Right. You'd have that, that scene in Boston from Moneyball where, you know, he he basically gets told like no man you just changed everything and you don't see it right the same would be true here you'd have a scene where somebody sits Tanya down and goes you tried to cheat at the Olympics <coughs> like and and it's not even like you tried to cheat at the Super Bowl you tried to cheat at the Olympics which is this thing that we hold as this like real measurement of athletic skill and and we hold we there's a lot of value to it of like the the per, time, who the person kind of is tear down as being like sure like i don't hold the olympics in very high regard given like if that was their standards for like competition but um, see I, I would argue it should be about the skating it shouldn't be about like all these music choices and uh garment choices like yes but i would also argue that that her behavior in general you know, not it's the best not way new... to go about changing the system. Right, That's, exactly. It's a system like, that might need changing. Yeah, if we were having a conversation about Cool Runnings, which I think is a movie where, hey, here's these people who are treated unfairly because of expectations placed upon them for no good reason. Um, that would be one thing. I think here, it's it's difficult because the movie, on one hand, will say, oh, well, she's being judged because they know she's a redneck. And on the other side, I'm going, well, is the only reason they know she's a redneck because she calls her her opponents like cunts and like swears a lot and is openly cruel to the people around her and that they obviously see that? Like if if that's coloring the judges, whether they're doing it intentionally or not, maybe it's just like, hey, I don't like this person. And so I'm without even thinking about it, going to give them a, a point or two less. Um, that's on her. And I, I don't think the movie makes that point. I think the movie actually makes sort of the opposite, which is like, well, it should just be about skating. And look at this poor girl who's just doing her best. But and while yes, that is her, it's it's her mother's fault for raising her that way. But I'm also, you know, if if letting people off the hook for doing bad things because they weren't raised right were a a like judicial premise, um, we would have a radically different justice system. Um, I just don't think that's a fair argument. And I think it's a sad, terrible story. Again, I think the movie is really funny. I had a really good time. I, I did enjoy it until about an hour after I left the theater. And then I went like, Oh, I don't know what I got out of that is sort of my point, right? It's the reason why, if anything, I'm just saying you won't see it on my top 10 list at the end of the year. Uh, because I, I just can't justify even a reason to watch it again. 
because I know I know all the jokes. I know the things that are funny, um, and the things that are you know sort of bizarrely tongue in cheek. Um, so yeah. Anyway, this is why you should have just watched Paddington too, because you would have walked out of the theater being like, "This is the best experience I've ever had." In a in a cinema, I actually Paddington one. That was a great way to like break like, it. This is this is this is what life is. It's I actually agree. On this marmalade sandwich. Yeah, maybe I will. That sounds pretty great. You will. That's kind of what I need right now. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, that was a that was a long tangent on that on that movie you guys reviewed last week. But um, yeah, that's that's what you would have heard last week had you made it. Yep. For the show. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Oh, you're done. Um, I Zach, watched, what'd you watch? No. <laughs> I watched uh, the start of the next half of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, oh, oh, and I guess sure. okay. also, I guess simultaneously the f- season finale because I I didn't rush to see that either. Uh, the 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 not the season finale, the uh, halfway point finale. Oh, like oh. a month ago. Yeah, you watched the episode before the hiatus and the hiatus. episode after the hiatus. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess still just kind of a here's a show about Star Trek and has fairly interesting things going on, but not nothing I love real right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm shocked that I have now seen Klingon titties. I was gonna say, you told me there's <laughs> there's nudity in Star Trek now. Yep, I what? was joking, uh, you know, episodes ago of like when they dropped the f bombs on the show. Um, I was like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm, it's only a matter of time until I see nudity on Star Trek. And sure I thought enough. I was joking, and it's yeah, no, yeah, uh, Klingon titties. So, is it like? Not that I'm body shaming Klingon titties. I'm just saying I did not expect. No, it's it. okay. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It. I would like it if a Star Trek show, if a, if a modern Star Trek show earned its viewership based on quality writing and good ideas for a show um, and not on, like, you know, showtime tactics. Um, but, but we're yeah. trying to sell subscriptions to a digital service that right, yes. has not proven itself. So. You understand if you pay $7.99 a month and you pay annually, <laughs> you too can see Klingon boobs. Is it okay? So, so wait, is CBS All Access a porn site? Um, I don't know because <laughs> its business model sounds like one. Whoa! Right. Uh, if you let me ask you this, is it is it just human boobs with a Klingon head on it, or are there like ridges? I didn't rewind the episode to check. Uh, it was kind of a. Far away. Was it like close it was up. like fast? It was like yeah. It was like two com- two characters are having a conversation, well, and in the background, it. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's basically the Star Trek equivalent of a scene in a strip club where like they're in the com- they're there, and in the background there's some nudity, but it's not really there. Is it like that? No, no. There, there's two characters that are doing it. And it's spoilery, spoilery. Um, okay, so I don't want to describe it. Um, if you're trying to follow, if you're trying to follow the mystery of this season. Um, but is yeah. the mystery if she gives him a blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is uh, let me ask you this: and Are his dick gets bitten off by their razor teeth? Is the spoiler that the Klingons are also vampire lesbians? <laughs> oh is, man! Is the spoiler that you wasted your money on this excess website? <laughs> oh, that's definitely the spoiler. The spoiler <laughs> is definitely your invoice from CBS All Access. <laughs> I, I use it to watch some old episodes of Next Gen. Oh, uh, good. Convenience of them. Is that not still on Amazon wall. Prime? I guess not. Amazon Prime? Yeah. I don't know. I don't use Amazon Prime. Oh. Uh, it's, it's on been... Netflix. Oh, okay. And on my Blu-rays. But 
I'm not always around my Blu-rays, so I've got <laughs> but, Star Trek. But for seven ninety nine a month packs, pass. and commercials, you can watch it <laughs> in addition to all the other ways you can watch it. Watch it, I don't know, hear it in the background as I'm working, yes. <laughs> okay, fair. H- hear the so familiar. How, how much nudity is there in the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so far, a brief, I don't know, like three, five seconds. Yeah. If it happens again, let me know. <laughs> I need a graph. Um, I'm sure they made Star Trek pornos, Henry. You can just walk down around the corner you know and get one. Not it's not, I, I, I want some authentic kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, you know, this, kind of stuff. You want to ink cannon? <laughs> yeah. There's been so yeah. many questions online about how Klingons have sex. I need to see this. Uh, pretty normally. Okay. I, or, I guess, sorry, that's not very Star Trek-y. Very uh, um, Terran-like. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a very heteronormative way of having intercourse. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the actual storyline going on, they've, they've axed. I don't care. They've, re- they've, <laughs> they've resolved the whole Klingon war, apparently. Wait, already? Isn't that the whole point of the show? I thought it was. Uh, I, I'm guessing it was mostly the uh, Nicholas Meyer part. And now they have already jumped into a mirror universe storyline. So fuck. Uh, Wait. Okay. In the mirror I was universe, that they solved the war, and then they're like, "Now let's just have sex all the time." <laughs> the rest of the season. Sex so, in in the rest of the season is just orgies. <laughs> in the uh, in the mirror universe, do the boobs have like evil goatees? They're inverted. Oh, oh gosh! No, the the nudity happens before the mirror. Gene universe, Roddenberry so. is rolling over in his grave. Yeah, he so, must be. This just seems terrible. Technically, Tarantino's so look for my <laughs> naked Klingon cosplay at Starfest this year. <laughs> so now Tarantino's Star Trek film doesn't sound sound so ridiculous now. Does right? It? Yeah, no. Does it? <laughs> no. Uh, Kirk's gonna Were there accidentally any gratuitous feet shots. Gratuitous feet shots? <laughs> yeah. No, that'll that'll be in the Quentin Tarantino film, um, along with a scene where uh, Kirk will accidentally shoot Marvin in the face. Uh, yeah. Christoph Waltz can play um, uh, a I thought Romulan. It was stone. Oh, yes. I love Romulan yeah. ale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he already has the Romulan haircut. I mean, it's pretty close. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I, do, I love territorial treaties. <laughs> The uh, other thing I watched was Goon: Last of the Enforcers. Oh, oh cool! How was uh, it good? Um, it's a different tone. I haven't seen the first one. I don't know. It came out what 2011. Yeah, it feels right. Sure. Yeah, 2012. Um, and I remember that being like a really heartfelt, like subversive and funny and like violent, but at the same time, like it had a strong heart to it. Yeah. This one very seems much like a straight up comedy, like a goofball straight to video quality comedy um okay where we just got the gang back together and we're gonna just amp up the jokes um so they, they kind of magic mike xxl'd it i don't know i haven't seen it oh, okay yeah uh so i don't know to compare it to but uh uh sean william scott's character he uh what what are you laughing at oh, i was laughing at henry he was looking funny don't don't you knock Magic Mike XXL the best comedy of the of the 2010s? Yeah, I'm just saying. My point was more that they took a movie that wasn't entirely a comedy and had some heart, Unplanned. and then they were, we're like talking about Magic Mike XXL later on in this podcast. So. Okay, <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead, Brad. 
Uh, Sean William Scott's character, I forget his name. Um, he is still like he's still playing hockey and he's there to fight. And then a new guy, Wyatt Russell, um, ah. from an opposing team, uh, fights him in a game and breaks his arm, ends cool. his career. Um, and uh, so he has to struggle with finding a real job. Who also Allison Pill is his wife and they're having a kid. So he has to become responsible and leave hockey in, behind him. Um, and, uh, what the, what's his name? Uh, Jay Baruchel. Uh, he's in it a couple times, but not as much as the original. Um, but no, um, leave Schreiber. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yes. Right. I for, yeah. It's like Raymond Ray or something. I forget. Anyway, Ray Donovan. Yeah. Uh, whatever his character's name was, uh, he has gone to, uh, he's joined a, a league where like all they do is fight. Like that's the point of, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the, it's the XFL of, yeah. Well, they don't, they don't even play the game. They just <laughs> wait, match wait. up, they d- match up different enforcers and they just punch each other until there's like one left standing. So it's a fight club. Yeah, it's a fight club for hockey. Great. Uh, so Jay Baruchel takes uh, Sean Williams Scott out to like watch one of these matches, and then um, you know, the, Lee Schreiber's character got retired because of him. Um, so he, you know he kind of reconnects with him. Um, you know, and they have like a mutual respect for each other. Um, and then uh, Wyatt Russell's character takes Sean Williams Scott's place on the team. Um, and he's supposed to, he becomes the new team captain, even though there's someone else on the team who's like, I, I think he's the, the actual like French Canadian player. Okay. Um, he, he wants to be the captain, but because the, the Wyatt Russell is the owner's son. Um, and so, so he's like just making the team look bad. He's like mor- morale's low. Um, and then he gets, like, it gets so bad that he gets kicked off and back to an, is something going on? No, you're good. Oh, I thought there was a skip. Um, uh, then just uh, against the wishes of his wife, Sean William Scott, you know, says like, hey, you know, there's a chance I can, like, I've healed. I can come back. But, you know, I might die <laughs> playing anymore. Uh, but it's like, it's my calling. I have to do this. Yeah. Um, she's like, no, like, you have a baby. I want you to be around for this baby. Um, and eventually it just amounts to him finding a happy balance between the two because he, he disregards her and does the thing he loves um and it you know becomes his last game and he hangs it up but uh because yeah. he dies no he he gets like he gets oh. horribly beaten and like kicks <laughs> oh, the shit okay. out why wrestle in the process but um, <laughs> i was like if this movie turns into the wrestler uh that would be pretty depressing yeah but then he literally like hangs up his hockey stick <laughs> oh. and walks away from the game but uh yeah it, like it's it's you know, you see everything coming a mile away and sure. along yeah. the way there's just, you know, a ga- gag after gag after gag and then all the faces come back and oh, okay, cool. Oh, and then, uh, Alicia Cuthbert, I don't remember her being from the first movie, but she's Alison Pill's like favorite friend. Um, and she's like this filthy, like, uh, foul mouth. Oh, character. her. Yes. Yeah. That, sorry. It took me that long to remember who that is. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, she's like this rowdy, like friend of hers. And like, that was like, Oh, I haven't seen her since 24. That's funny. Man. Um, yeah. So, wow. uh, yeah. And then, so I wish Ryan was here because I remember him liking the the first movie when we watched it. But uh, the first goon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I man, I liked it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I saw was a movie called a- Abattoir. Abattoir. Uh, okay. It's a. Uh, I've only seen it on Netflix. Um, I don't think it went to theaters, but it's directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who directed some of the Saw movies. Oh, uh, Abattoir. Uh, Abattoir. Abattoir. Somebody Abattoir, spell it. Yeah. Abattoir. Yeah. <gasps> Abattoir. I mean, they say it in the movie, but I just don't remember the pronunciation. But okay, it's not. It's not Avatar. It's not Avatar. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's another word for slaughterhouse. Okay, um, I had to look it up. But it's from Darren Lynn Basman, guy who did Saw two, three, four. And, yeah, and uh, Repo. Repo the Genetic, genetic Opera. So um, and eleven, eleven, eleven. I like some of the things he's done, but uh, this is uh, there's a girl who's a reporter, and. The setup takes a while to get to, like, to to happen. She gets murdered. No, her sister's family gets murdered. Okay, good. In their house. And when she goes to visit the crime scene, the room where they're murdered is, like, excised from the house. So someone has come in and, like, taken the room out of the house. Like, the structure's there, but, like, all the walls are stripped. The carpet's gone. Um, oh, okay. Cleaned out of you. Well. Yeah. It's, so, like, like it's a if, room that doesn't exist. If we got murdered in this room right now, they would they murdered us, and then they stripped everything, like took the paint off the walls, just made this room into a creepy empty space. Great, yep. You just jinxed my house, James. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Zach will not be on the show next week. Nope. Well, no, because he's going to be dead. I mean, I think that was clear. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So, and because she happens. We've written her as a news reporter. Naturally, she's curious and wants to um, not let the authorities handle this. She will do it herself. Um, it's her she, sister's family? Yeah. Her sister, okay. her husband, and her kid. At, like, as as they're having dinner, yeah. you know, there's this guy who sneaks into the house. Um, and then after she leaves, that guy okay. murders that family upstairs. Gotcha. So she goes home. Her family gets murdered. Yeah. She finds out the next day because, like, she's got this boyfriend from her past that's also a cop. Um, so That's convenient. Yeah. So, you know, he tells her, you know, let other people handle this. This isn't your job. And she's like, well, it's my he family. He sounds smart. I gotta, yeah. Um, so she goes off, does her own investigating. Um, he tags along, you know, like, he's not encouraging her, but he, you know, he must be there to help her in yeah. case something happens. Like they fall in love. And she tracks down, like, she finds out there's these similar cases all around New England um, where, the ha- like, the room has been removed. And I kind of, it got so convoluted that I'm not really sure what the point of the movie ended up being other than there's <laughs> this guy in a top hat from Deadwood. Ian McShane? No. Uh, Don't his care. Other, uh, yeah. Um, I wish Is I were... it the creepy, like, tall guy? No, it's, uh, he was a, one of the, I think he was um, Oliphant's like only other friend early on. Sure. What was his name? I don't know. Anyway, um, he has, he's like this uh, devil character who has convinced this town that he will grant them all their wildest desires if they give him his children or give him their children um, and murder other people as sacrifices. Oh, so like the townspeople are murdering people. The townspeople, yeah. Like all their wildest dreams will come true if they give him their children and then murder these other people. And then he comes in and like takes the rooms to build a like 
demon house of all these murders. Shit, should have called the movie Demon House. Yeah, and then uh, so eventually it leads to her getting into this demon house and meeting him. And probably the only really cool part is that there's all these ghosts of the murders just constantly on a loop happening. So, you know, you walk through a room and the murder that happened in there is played out over and over and over. Um, you know, like there was a hallway where someone hung themselves. So the, you know, the rope drops and the ghost, like you just, the, the death happens over and over. Um, and uh, then the like, the old lady from the Insidious movies is in it. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember what she wrote, like what her point was other than that she shoots our lead character and the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, Hot Fuzz. Uh, what? It's like Hot Fuzz <laughs> where like in the end you find out the whole, the whole town is all killing people. Oh. Uh, I guess there's some people in the town that are trying to stop him. But uh, like I said, it was so like what is, how does, how do things work? Um, who who is <laughs> friends with who or who's in on it? Yeah. Um, who's buying all this white paint? Yeah, it just seemed like a really difficult storyline to, to story to convey. Hmm. Um, but like I said, the the only like only part that really captured my attention was the fact that all the rooms that were across, you know, it's like something that happened across twenty or thirty years. They've oh, all been okay. collected in this one space, and you're watching these ghosts, you know, murder each other or, or die. Huh. Um, yeah, as you're walking through. Interesting. Yeah. And that's cool. all I watched. Cool. Zach. Okay. Um, uh, so really quickly, I actually, I'm going to start using Letterboxd now for my what we've been watching each week because I found it much more better at organization than oh, yeah, to plus, the club. Yeah, you could, you could pull it up and be I like, know. hey, I what know. have I watched? I'm, I'm way behind, but yeah, it's I, great. I put the app on my phone, so now I'm into the zone oh, aren't um, you lucky you've got the app uh, they had an iPad app they needed investors <laughs> anyway <laughs> not here to get into that debate I uh so as I said at the top of the show I um I actually saw Darkest Hour a few hours before we watched or before we started recording oh uh, cool Darkest Hour uh, directed by Joe Wright and starring um the, uh, Commissioner Gordon and um also starring Baby Driver's Girlfriend and um what Th- Lily James is in that movie? Yep. Oh man, I need to go and see that movie. That their villain from Rogue One. Yeah, okay, they're all in it. Cool. Uh, and Kristen Scott Co- Thomas. So, <laughs> um, I can't remember what she's been in. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, it's the story of Churchill, um, being uh brought into uh, brought in as prime minister after Neville Chamberlain Neville Chamberlain's been kicked out because Neville Chan- Neville Chamberlain fucked up up apparently. So, um, it's it's history, guys. I'm. Yeah, don't have to get into it. Anyway, so it's all about the lead up to his speech in Parliament for um, to basically parallel the Dunkirk evacuation, and consequently, it's the second of three Dunkirk movies that were released this uh, last year that I've seen. Um, I I can imagine Joe Wright's probably saw Dunkirk in the theater while he was doing post on Darkest Hour and being like, "Oh, we've only got one shot." of the boats coming toward to save the uh, soldiers in Dunkirk. And he's got the whole damn thing. Yeah. Like, uh, but Gary better pull something magic out of his ass. Yeah. Um, which he does. It's a great performance. And that makeup makes him look amazing and jolly and old. It's, yeah. it's magnificent. It's wonderful. He's funny in the movie. Uh, uh, and where he needs to hit emotion, he hits emotion correctly. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and it's shot wonderfully. Um, cool. because, 
I mean, I, I, again, it sucks. Like, you've got to follow up the, the lavish action Dunkirk movie with your talking heads Dunkirk movie. Yeah. Uh, and this one looks amazing. It actually looks like it might have been shot around the era of World War II in terms of just the way it frames uh, its camera and the way it utilizes color. Um, in a weird way, I'd kind of love to see this movie in black and white. Um, uh, but, yeah, overall, I mean, it, it moves pretty quickly, actually. I was surprised how quick it moved. Like, mm-hmm. when it was over, I was like, oh, wow. Looked at my watch and <laughs> got outside. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I'd check it out. It's it's available. Um, um, out on I was the- a... Uh- I was a big fan of the movie as well, uh, and I, I'm agreeing with. I think it's. I'm in the kind of. Uh, I'm in a smaller boat where I think it's some of the best cinematography of the year, just mm-hmm. because it's it it plays so much with light and uh, oh yeah and the and the position of the camera like mm-hmm. it does it does a like it's not the standard cinematography fair you expect from like a standard Oscar Bailey kind of uh, British it's, drama. It's very edgy in its look. And you know, I mean, it's an obvious one. You know, the scene where he's giving the first radio broadcast, um, yeah. and it's just like, and like it, you're waiting. It's in kind of normal-ish lighting f- until the red light goes on, and then the red light consumes everything. Mm. And the visual, visually, it looks like something you'd see in a much more edgy, like Wendy Greffin film. But it's coming out of this Oscar bait film, so it's pretty yeah. cool. Cool. Um, what they do with doors, I really like how like. Oh yeah, the, a lot of, like silhouetting and that kind of thing. I think it's really well done. So. Yeah, the way it, and like everything feels narrow and very. Also, some of the best editing of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely would agree. Um, so yeah, I checked that out. Um, watched a couple of documentaries. Um, uh, the uh, first one was I had never seen Enron, the smartest guys in the room, um, mm. and it was on Netflix. So I checked it out. It was directed by Alex Gibney, who did Going Man. Clear and. Uh, um, the Client Nine, um, which yeah. I also watched this week, but I haven't, I haven't finished th- it yet. So I haven't thought about that movie in a very long time, and I hadn't thought about Enron in a long time <laughs> either. And yeah, we should stop those guys. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody should really do something about that. Yeah, yeah it seems, it seems like what they're doing too. is wrong. <laughs> it was actually an interesting, like way of like understanding the financial market and whatnot, and just kind of things that are done. Fifteen years ago, yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be, but just yeah. It's an interesting economics lesson, I guess. But yeah. it's it's like anything, and I said it's like there's a there's a gap in this film that like unlike something like maybe Client Nine, which is about the Elliot Spitzer thing, which I haven't finished yet, but I'll talk about it next week. But there's a generation gap with Enron, the smartest guys in the room, where I feel like yeah, it's interesting, but like your outrage level is probably lower than it probably was say when this movie came out. Yeah, because <laughs> um, we're so far removed from it and. A lot of it's irrelevant because one of the guys is one of the fifth, like the fifth largest landowner in Colorado. So apparently he's still allowed to do whatever he's doing. So it, yeah. it's irrelevant. The bad guys always win in corporate crime, guys, because no one cares about the small person. Um, I watched the Central Park Five documentary by Ken Burns, which is about mm-hmm. um, how the police suck too. So <laughs> no, yeah, just Ken Ryan. Uh, no, but in this particular case, the police and the DA and New York Justice System railroaded five. Um, minority teenagers into prison because they were seen in central park around the same time a woman was raped and beaten turns out it was only just one guy so um, yeah it was it was they yeah they were all basically convicted because they were black yep exactly uh, or mexican yeah well one um, was one yeah yeah. how about that how about that part where uh where donald trump uh publicly bought newspaper ads 
um, trying to get the all five of them killed. G- guys. Um, wasn't that fun? I, wasn't that a great time? I don't know if you know this, but our president's always been an asshole. So, um, yeah, that was really we good. Sh- we should have known that earlier, but we just don't bother to learn from our mistakes. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then the last documentary I saw this week was David Bowie, The Last Five Years, which just came out on HBO this week. Oh, cool. Um, it was good. It was... Um, like I've never been a big David Bowie fan, so like I I, I respect him. I respected him a sure. lot, and you know he's in the Prestige, so automatically he gets like the the this thumbs up seal approval. Yeah, but this film gave me a better sense of David Bowie's career and as an artist and whatnot, and I was like, you know, like especially the stuff he was doing near the end of his career is like stuff that I was actually really jiving with in terms of like from the way he shot music videos to the way he was composing his music it was pretty interesting so oh, that's um, cool I'll check um, that and Harvelt, like i could see someone crying if they were a big fan of bowie like you'll get you'll you'll start tearing up with this um it also talks about like apparently he was doing a musical of uh the man who fell to earth but he called it lazarus and it had dexter playing um uh the bowie character from the original movie oh, on broadway and uh that was the last thing he worked on actually so i was pretty obsessed with david bowie when i was like seven yeah <laughs> i should check that movie out he ground control to major tom yeah it was great <laughs> Um, oh, and they actually talk about how they how Major Tom's been a character that he's used throughout all of his songs and all of his career. Huh. Like, it, like near the end of his career, he brought back Major Tom for one song and one video. So, oh, cool. Um, but he's dead, and he's got glitters and rainbows on his skull. So it's interesting. Interesting. It's um, so yeah, um, uh, rewatch Keanu because it was on Cinemax. It's fun. That's I great. Like, I like that movie. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I like the, uh, the it, it, I love how Key and Peele like you know they're playing those. The nerdy characters, but they're also playing the Allentown, the Allentown gang, which is just them yes. looking like they came out of a Hughes Brothers movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny as all hell. Um, I um, I I got a uh, Warner Archive release of The Horn Blows at Midnight on DVD because I caved in. I was hoping they'd maybe start putting some of these out on Blu-ray, but they're not going to. Um, so I just caved in and spent the seventeen bucks. So that I have a physical copy, mm-hmm. but the horn blows at midnight. It's a it's a movie with Jack Benny. We'll get that out of the way, um, but it also has Alexis Smith, Guy Kibbe, and um, Margaret Dumont, who was in the Marx Brothers movies. It, the it, Benny being in the movie is kind of irrelevant. This movie is interesting, even if he wasn't in it. It's a comedy from 1945, directed by the guy who went on to direct White Heat, oh, cool. and um, it's a movie about many things. So it starts off in a radio studio, and they're doing a coffee program, and it's sleepy time coffee, so it's coffee that makes you sleep. Yeah. And the trumpet player who's not hitting his notes right, played by Jack Benny, falls asleep and starts to dream. And his dreams take him to heaven, circa 1945 to 1946, which is an actual Chiron on the screen. <laughs> and it cuts to him, and it's Benny's character is now like an angel uh, playing in the orchestra, the pit orchestra of heaven. And uh, he is summoned to uh, by the, the head of planet management to blow a trumpet at midnight and destroy earth because earth hasn't learned its lesson about not being dicks and so like they got to get rid of earth and so he is brought down from heaven to go to the top of this uh, hotel building and blow the four taps of the what they call the judgment day suite or something like that and destroy the world and he fails, and the whole film's trying about him trying to get a second chance to blow the horns and destroy Earth. Um, it's wackiness, and hmm. it's it, it seems extremely blasphemous for its era, given that you probably wouldn't want to touch anything Christian or offend anybody back in that day. <laughs> but it manages to offend not just Christians but everybody because it 
the whole movie is Jack Benny kind of going around and going like, yeah, you guys are dicks, and then just walking off. Yeah. So, um, but it's seventy minutes. It's a brief watch. Like, if you've got Warner Archive Instant, I'd check this out and tell me that it isn't worth maybe a, a MST3K riff of its own. <laughs> it's not like I like I like. It's not it. poorly made. It's just it's just silly and unexpected. I like Benny in it, but I but I'm looking at the performance of Benny in a different way than I would if I didn't know who he was. Sure. Like, because I'm getting his timing and his rhythms and whatnot. But if you watch it without that involved, it's a pretty weird film. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's interesting. Um. I finally saw Ben Affleck's Live by Night. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot that I movie on, happened. Yeah, because I got it on Blu-ray for four bucks on the second spin closeout. Cool. Um. So, <laughs> Batfleck. Um. Have has are you the only one of us who's seen it? Right. Well, Ryan it. saw it. You too. haven't. Me too. Oh, you have. Oh, okay, it. cool. Yeah, right. I did an art house house review of this film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. So I kind of want to be clear on this. So I'm pulling up my reviews. Like, I'm I'm gonna be Mr. Unpopular here. I don't think this movie's a travesty. I don't think this is the worst movie that came out oh, well, of like yeah. the year that it would that it was released in limited and then. Let me tell you about a movie called Life. <laughs> um, but it got. I think it did get extra shit on because of Ben Affleck being involved in the projects that he was at the time that this movie was released. Sure. Um, so I think that in the process a movie that's mm, decent kind of gets beaten up a little bit more with a stick. Sure. Um, it's, it's a movie about prohibition and, um, specifically the rum trade in, um, uh, Florida in during prohibition and then eventually the lifting of prohibition. Um, and it, it's done by, it's a story by Dennis Lian, the guy who did Gone Baby, wrote Gone Baby Gone and Shutter Island, hmm. and it kind of spans the entirety of Prohibition. So it's not centralized in a like like a decent time period. Like it spreads out way too much. Gotcha. Part of its problem is that it's two hours and ten minutes, but in my eyes, like if you either you either need to centralize this story or you need to make it a three hour epic. Yeah. Like pick a side. There's no such thing as compromise here. Yeah. Um. And part of also is, is that my expectations wore me down on this film because when I saw Warner Brothers logo and 30s era gangsters, I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe Ben Affleck's going to do a tribute to the films of Curtiz or Bacon or um, Mayo and stuff like that. No, he's he's making a pretty moody drama uh, sure. about being a gangster and how uh, women betray him and whatnot. And he gets beaten with. Um, beaten to a bloody pulp by an Irishman. You know, it's 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 all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so like, but it's shot beautifully. The sound design is amazing when there is action in the film. Um, and the cast is great. Chris Cooper is amazing in the film. Cool. Um, he's really good. Al Fanning's really good too. Um, Affleck's good. He reminds me of a young George Raft in a weird way. Hmm. Like just not just his look, but in terms of just the way he kind of presents himself. But. I do I do see him looking kind of tired mm. and I can't imagine that's not as a result of doing Batman v Superman and Justice League pretty much back to back. Yeah. So I I feel bad that his whole involvement in the DCEU kind of gets in the way of this film being as good as it could be. So as a result like it's the weakest film in his directorial filmography but it's watchable. It's entirely watchable. So, yeah. Um I check it out. And then the last thing I saw this week was uh uh, Henry uh, has been talking about this witchcraft of a film called Paddington for the past couple of months. Um, so I decided to watch it because it's on Netflix. And um, 
is is that film like possessed with some kind of like deviledom that causes you to cry in the first 10 minutes because that's what fucking Aww. happened like no i'm serious like so <laughs> henry's like yeah yes did you end up watching it yet no i haven't seen it i'm literally but, getting but, on so amazon and ordering it now okay so it's really good um it's the story of paddington who lives with his uncle and aunt in the jungles of darkest peru um his aunt and uncle learned how to talk um when they met an explorer um in the i guess 30s because the f- newsreel they want that they show at the beginning is from the 30s era or whatever um but uh, there's a storm, like lightning strikes throughout the entire jungle, and um, Paddington's uncle dies. So Paddington's aunt gets Paddington on a boat um, so that he can go to London while she goes to the old bear's retirement home, um, which I th- at first thought was a metaphor for something of her just going off to like die or whatever. But no, there's an actual old folks or old bear's retirement home in the movie. It's, it's, it's adorable. But she, as she puts him in the boat and she's going to go to London, she like tries to convince Paddington that he'll find a home there because she like compares his situation to when the young British children who were displaced during world war two would get on the train and then they'd wait at the station for people to adopt them and pick them up. And that's when I started crying because I was like, oh, my God, like they're, they're using Aww. manipulative tricks on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Paddington goes to London. He goes to the train station and runs into a family played by the that woman who done had sex with that fish in Shape of Water and uh, Hugh Bonneville. And um, apparently they have children. And um, so they uh, learn how to be a family again and uh, how to have fun and try to find out where Paddington's explorer friend is. Um, and all this happens at the same time when Nicole Kidman wants to kill him and stuff him and put him in a museum. Because uh, at first I think it's just a random like evil character we need, but then it turns out, without any spoilers, it's a necessary character to the entire plot of Paddington's life. Huh. It's it's the equivalent of the Joker killed Batman's parents in a weird way. <laughs> but like kind of reverse. Sure. <laughs> Did Fair. she cause the lightning bolt that... No, no her, her, it's her, the reverse. It, Padding, Paddington Bear's parents ate Nicole Kidman's mom. No, but Paddington's Paddington's uncle and aunt's existence, uh, and what Nicole Kidman's father refuses to do um, with the Explorers Guild causes Nicole Kidman to have resentments towards mm-hmm. Paddington. I don't really want to spoil it. Who dies? No, no, no. No one dies. That's the thing. Uh, um, but it, I love how it was shot, though, too. It was shot like a um, Wes Anderson movie in some places, like in terms hmm. of its cinematography and its, um, what would you call it? Like, Look. Cinema, uh, cinema, yeah, just cinema like. Symmetry. Yeah, the symmetry, yeah, was oh. like really interesting. It's like, in a way, it reminds me of Fantastic Mr. Fox where I'm like, oh, it's a kid's movie that like ha- actually takes itself seriously and doesn't like try to shove garbage down your kid's throat. Yeah. So it's not a Minions movie or a Secret Life of Bets or Thank something you. like that. So, um, Unfortunately, the uh, the Blu-ray is backordered on Amazon. It takes one to four weeks to deliver. So I'm going to start hitting up every Best Buy near me. <laughs> Henry. Henry bought them all. Yeah. <laughs> Henry's love for this movie has caused Amazon <laughs> to sell out of Paddington Blu-rays. See, you are making I'm a difference. Sure <laughs> but uh... Henry, who's the director? Paul King? Is he the? Guy? Is that the name of the guy? Yeah, it's like it's the only thing he's made. You're breaking up here, buddy. Oh. Yeah, no, you guys have been breaking up for this for like the past hour and a half. Oh, oh no! Shoot. Um. 
But anyways, that entire Paddington review, when I'm really sad. <laughs> well, um, we recorded it for no, you. Know that I loved it, even though it took me a while to connect the dots in my head of why this is amazing. Um, and it's got a good sense of humor too. Like I love the. There's a bit where they're like, "Are we gonna send him to the or- orphanage? No, we're gonna send him to the place where you go if you can't find your parents' facility." And then it actually has a sign above it that says, "The place where you." Bring <laughs> sure, it's really funny. It's fun. So cool. Yeah, I'll so that's all it. I watched this week. Sounds good. Henry, what did you watch? Let's see how long I can do this. Um, what I've been doing recently is I'm trying to watch every film on IMDb's uh, top 250 films. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of films I've never heard of that are like Turkish and stuff. <laughs> so just going, th- just going through uh, the good ones. That I mean, this, they're not all Turkish. Calm down. Um, <laughs> Andrei Rublev is a Russian film. It's uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's first film. Very well done. For a film that they made like in the uh, in the sixties, it's very and for his first film, it's it's very very well done. It's very long though, uh, and so if you want like a really if you want a Tarkovsky film, it's a good one to watch. Uh, I watched uh, a film called Like Stars on Earth. It's a Bollywood film, and it's just adorable. It's a kids movie. Uh, about uh, this uh, 10-year-old boy who has dyslexia and struggles to uh, learn. And then he ha- finds an art teacher who really understands him and chooses to help him. And it's really heartwarming and really nice. It's three hours long. But there's a lot of really good musical numbers in it. So that's always fun. So if you want a Bollywood film, that's a good one. Uh, an Autumn Afternoon is a film by uh, Uzo. And uh, it's, very, it's very nice. It's about, it's about an old man who, realizes, who lives with his daughter, who's like a young woman. And he realized that he's going to die soon, so he decides to make his, uh, the last thing he does before he dies is he's going to uh, make sure that his daughter uh, ends up finding a husband. Uh, it's, that's very heartwarming and laid back. Watched Irreversible, that's the opposite. Um, oh, Gaspar, oh no yeah, level. that. Uh, my. Irreversible, if you don't know. It's, it's, it's a very good film, but it's not a fun one to watch. No. It should be called Bad Things Happen to Monica Bellucci. <laughs> Have you seen uh, Enter yeah. the Void? I mean, I th- oh, I've seen all of Gaspar Noe's films. Okay. Have you seen Love? I saw that in theaters. That's a sex film that's three hours long, and I saw it in 3D. It was amazing. <laughs> 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 uh, he took yeah. every advantage uh, of it. Uh, yeah, Irreversible. It's, uh, it tells the story of this woman who uh, is raped, and then her... Her boyfriend and her ex-lover decide to hunt down who did it. Uh, but what's interesting about it, I didn't know this going into it, is that it's told like Memento, and that's kind of interesting. So I say it's it's like Memento if Christopher Nolan was a nihilist. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, um, In the Name of the Father, uh, that's a good Irish film. Yeah, like Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Peter Postlewaite. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, very well made. Yep. Uh, He's, it's, it's it's good seeing Daniel Day Lewis in a film where I'm like, you're you're okay, Daniel Day Lewis. So, uh, and then I also <laughs> where he's I not like, like trying to actively kill shutter. people. <laughs> so I saw a lot of uh, horror films. Most of them weren't very good, uh, but uh, one that I did see that I thought was amazing was called The Oregonian. Which I'm not going to say anything else about this film because this is a film that works best if you don't know anything about it. What's that? Uh, 
<laughs> and so it's a film, and so it, 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 it's the best. It's a film that you should discover. It's not a film that you should just like. Oh, I'm going to watch the Oregonian because I hear it's a good film. Because you go into it thinking, oh, it's a good film. I can't wait to watch it. You're not going to think it's a good film. Uh, but if you go in being like, what the fuck is this? You're going to like it. Uh, and so, but yeah, or, the Oregonian. If you ever discover it, it's good. I'm not going to tell you to go watch it though. You just need to find it on your own. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, I think I think yeah, I Snatch think is amazing. I watched that. That's another one on the 250. Um, you hadn't seen that before? No, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, wow. And uh, great. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, I guess, finally, because none of these, uh, not, nothing else on this long list of things I watched is really worth noting. Uh, and finally, I watched Phantom Thread. Okay. Ah. The new Paul Thomas Anderson film. Cool. So, what was that? No, cool. I'm excited to hear what uh, you think. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because it's not no none of you have seen it, have you? No, no. but it, I, I might go this week. So, how boring is it? <laughs> it's it's slow. I'm not going to say it's not slow. Okay. Uh, but I will say everything that's in the trailer is in the first 20 minutes of the film. Huh. Um. It's it it gets weird and get it like as it goes on, it's a slow burn, but it's the best way I can describe it is that it's a slow chemical burn, where like the longer it goes, the more the more like kind of weird it gets, and the more you're like, what the fuck is this film? Um, without giving too much away, uh, James, you're gonna have to help me on this. Uh, who's the author who wrote Rebecca and? Uh, uh, my cousin Rachel. I don't remember. Do you know? No, I don't remember. It, but it's that author has that kind of style. Uh, it, 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 this film feels like it's very much inspired by those novels. Uh, if you want a romance film, it's definitely one of the better ones of the. It's not the best of the year by any means, but it's one of the better romance films of the it's year. It's like a gothic romance, is what you're saying. So. All the acting is. Yes and no. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I would check it out if you, if you were, if you want to check it out already, I would definitely check it out. But I wouldn't. It's it's unlike anything else PTA has made, and I don't think that's a problem. But you should know that going in, it's it's I, it's not like the master. It's not like the Robbie Blood. It's certainly not like Boogie Nights or anything like that. It's solely its own thing. And uh, it's interesting hmm. seeing him do this. So, but yeah, that's uh, the Phantom Thread. I think it's good, but I wouldn't say it's great. It certainly has its flaws. Uh, and depending on where, it, and depending on the person, where it goes, I can see people either really liking where it goes or really hating where it goes. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what James thinks of this film specifically. Shit. I hate it when Henry says that because then I have to see these movies. I'll tell you what. I'll pay for your ticket if you go. I'll go. Okay. Cool. I mean, it's very not well for made. Pay, every, but... It's very, very well made, and everything. It's. I don't think you would hate it, but I, I don't. I. I'm hesitant to say that you would like it. Okay. I'll see it. But I'm not going to be happy about it, Henry. On DVD. I'm not going to say that you have to see it like tomorrow. So. Oh no! I'll see it this year. Does he drink a milkshake in the movie? No, that movie's bad. Damn. I agree, James. Thank you. 
Well, you're both wrong. So high fives, whatever. high five through solo internet, Henry. Whatever. That was really good. Whatever. Y'all we did a good job with y'all, that. Y'all appreciate movies about the teapot dome scandal. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything else, Henry? Uh, I mean, I watched Magic Mike XXL, which is one of the greatest <laughs> films ever made. Um, now you're just trolling me. <laughs> I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you know this, but there's a subplot to that film where Joe Manganiello can't fall in love because his dick is so huge that he can't find anyone who he can have sex with who can actually enjoy him. The, okay, uh, Joe Manganiello's got so many problems. Subplot the, of that film. It's the greatest film. The ever. first Magic Mike is a good film. This sounds like a joke. It's not a joke. It's the greatest film ever made. Uh, all right. It's the Paddington 2 of male stripper films. <laughs> uh, fine. <laughs> this one I won't see. I won't agree to see this one. <laughs> but. So this cool. week we saw The Post. You're missing out. Yes. <laughs> we did. James, should people go see The Post? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, this is a movie made by Steven Spielberg that stars uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. So, like, yeah, of course you should. Um, as a measurement of how good it is, it's really good. Um, this movie made me cry a little bit. Um, it's definitely sort of a slow-burning kind of movie that when it was over, I immediately wanted to watch again because knowing all the parts, once I'd seen it, in a very Star Warsian kind of way, once I'd seen it, I I expect to enjoy it more the second time. Um, So, yeah, I think people should go see it. Henry, should people go see The Post? Fuck no. no. Uh, Sure. Uh, I don't really have a a punchline, so... Um, Yeah, go see it. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. (laughs) That's my my thoughts on this. It's a way to spend two hours of your life. Zach, should people go see The Post? I don't know if you should, um, you know, go out and get a copy out of the newsstand or anything. Um, it, you know, I'm just bah. kidding. It's great. I'm sorry. It was a bad... I know I fucking failed. Um, should you go see All the President's Men, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace? Absolutely. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, Hanks is good. Streep is good. Odenkirk's great in the movie. Yeah. Um, and... Um, it's very well directed, um, in, which is no surprise from Spielberg. But what I like about this one, in the same way that I like Bridge of Spies, is that he's kind of throwing his style back a little bit to the 70s, which is always a nice little treat. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think you should check it out. Brad, should people go see The Post? Uh, yes, for one important reason. Uh, as far as my enjoyment of the movie, it was a good film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it just, it's odd seeing... A Spielberg movie with such a small scope. Yeah. Um, and it's if you want to see a movie of a lot of scenes of just good acting, um, there's like a lot of there's not a lot of edits in these scenes. Mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. if you just want to watch people just be character, like you know some of the best actors be characters in this movie. Um, I guess historical characters. Um, it's just a, a, like a master class in watching you know performance and uh, cinematography. Um, in telling a very complicated um, story, I guess. Uh, it's not so much about what they're pursuing as um, their right to do it. Mm-hmm. 
um, which I, I didn't expect. I, I, uh, I expected to know more about the Pentagon Papers, and, and this movie is very much about, like, should we print them or not? Yeah. And all the problems that go along with that. Uh, so I left a little cold, like you said, for Itania, where I was like, okay, that was good, but what else? You know, where do I, like, would I see it again? I don't know. Um, but it's a good movie, so. Cool. Cool. Here's the trailer for The Post. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like a real one, either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times has 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. The way they lied, those days have to be over. Okay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper, that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices. Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness. Let's do our jobs. Find those pages. You're talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something. It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets. The New York Times was barred from publishing any more classified documents dealing with the Vietnam War. If you'd publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week. Meaning? we could all go to prison to make this decision to risk her fortune and the company that's been her entire life well i think that's brave if the government wins the washington post will cease to exist if we don't hold them accountable who will we can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency, and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it. I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. She can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham? said it before when we walked out of the movie and I'll say it again Steven Spielberg is great at everything he can even make prequels better than George Lucas does yeah it, it 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 does like, spoilers guys this is a prequel to all the presidents men yeah it, <laughs> not officially it, but yeah it actually makes all the presidents men not as good of a film because it it points out to me like oh yeah like this is a way better story to tell um like all, all the presidents men stops about the point that that movie gets interesting whereas this is like a very I don't want to just say slow because that makes it sound boring but like deliberate film about a lot of small little subtle questions I mean there's a lot of time spent in this movie just talking about whether or not uh, Tom Hanks's character was a shill for Kennedy and whether or not Meryl Streep's character is like a shill for Nixon or, and, and McNamara yeah yeah um, and, and but it's just like a a casual conversation it's not there's not a there's not a real 
revelation out of the whole thing. It's just there to sort of give you the conflict of these characters that then eventually, like, they have to make some big, some big important questions or uh, decisions. And I think what's really interesting, the thing I loved about it was Meryl Streep's character. Uh, like I went in kind of expecting like, Oh, this is a story about this really strong woman and Meryl Streep's going to be amazing. And she, and then it's kind of not, um, she actually does a great job of making that character feel vulnerable and weak, even though you can tell she doesn't want to be like it, it, it's a, it's, it's actually kind of funny. It's a thing. Well, anyway, it, she, she listens to everybody's just, uh, like opinion first and that makes her come off very, um, weak especially to the men around her because it means that she listens to some of the wrong opinions sometimes. But when it comes down to it, like she ends up standing up for herself and for, for what she thinks is actually right, which was pretty cool. Um, well, and it's, she's, she's navigating water. She's very unfamiliar with she herself. Yeah. Not necessarily. Like no one's navigated them. It's just she in this particular human situation. Cause the paper was left to her. Yeah. Because her, her father owned the paper and then gave it to her husband, but her husband committed suicide, so then she got the paper by default and yeah. everything. So. And I think what's interesting there is that, like, it makes it makes real life seem kind of muddy, right? It make, un, I, Anybody else would have made this movie and she would have been weak and then suddenly become strong so she can make the right choice. It's not even, right? Like, she has these moments where you see her struggling with these little things or, like, having these... these uh, like the conversation with Alison Brie where she's talking about like, Oh man, like I really wanted to leave this for you guys. And like, she's conflicted and, and it makes you feel the way that actual life does of like, Oh, I'm kind of, everybody's kind of just doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me appreciate her character all the more, especially when, you know, it's still, still Spielberg. So in his sort of subtle sentimental way, he finds ways to, I think my favorite little motif is he keeps having her, walk through a crowd of women through a set of doors into a crowd of men. Um, like he, she does it a few times and then at the end does it in reverse. Mm. Um, and, and he's making a statement of like, here's this woman who is, who is breaking through. And in the end is actually trying to communicate to people who aren't listening to her or, mm. or who, who nobody else realizes are listening is really the way I'm, I mean to say that, right? Like she comes out to the stairs and all the, the, those guys are there like interviewing all the other guys and she's like, no, I don't need to talk. I've I've sent my message. Everyone has already heard me. Right. I don't need to talk to those guys, you know. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how it um, because the turnaround on this film was so short. Like it was it was a nine month from early pre production to the first like finished screening. Mm-hmm. The nine month period, according to Spielberg in an interview on the DGA and. Historically, so, he works fast. So. Yeah, right. He's got a really good what's, team. What's, inter- what's interesting about this is because it's unlike the Munich War of the World situation. There aren't really two working in tandem with each other. I mean, like I guess Ready Player One, but it seems like Ready Player One was only just previs, and it's different for, to a certain degree. Anyway, what's amazing is that even though this is such a smaller film, smaller scale film than even Munich, I'd say. Um, because there's no action in the post at all. Yeah. Um, whereas there is action in Munich, however sparse it is. With this film, though, the the camera, like you said, it was. You guys said it was sort of slow. I felt like it. It is slow in places, but it felt like it's slow cut to the beat of an action film to some degree because it keeps yeah. momentum going at a very steady pace. This part, it's like after they get the papers, like those scenes, you know, 
it's jumping around as people are walking through the scene and cutting back and forth. So I think there's it's a lot not of, always slow, but and it's not necessarily the. I mean, there's a lot of really good Spielberg oneers in here that mm-hmm. I, I I think he's doing a great job. And again, I'm not saying it's slow like it's boring. It's more. It's deliberate. It's it is making sure you understand all the pieces that are in play, and why these things are important. Because the real the I mean the real um, conflict of the film doesn't come until like the last forty five minutes of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's not until you know Nixon declares war on the New York Times, which is however long in. I mean, it's it's the beginning of the third act. It feels like, and finally the conflict pops up. Mm-hmm. Like the con- before then, the conflict is well, we're a small time paper and we can't get good stories, and that's it. And then there's all there's these sort of conversations about like, well, what would you do in this situation and where do your loyalties lie? That's not like this big forceful motivation for the for the plot. But when you get to the big conflict, it's all very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a difficult film in anybody else's hands. The movie would probably be pretty boring. Like if you cast this movie differently and you didn't have Spielberg doing it, you'd probably be like, oh, this is the um or not even boring. It might be. It could be an episode of like an AMC series. Yeah. Like I thought about it at one point. Like, I wonder if like Fincher would have done something like this. And again, my only real comparison on that is the Zodiac element of it. But or it might end up feeling like the assassination of of Jesse James, where it's like, that's a good hey, one. this yeah. is a really good movie that tells a great story, but it is it takes its really time. Yeah. slow and takes its time, and and a movie then that a lot of people aren't going to talk about. It's not going to be this big deal movie he just does a really good job of it you know i mean he's he's always been good at taking a subject that could seem boring and making it entertaining like like bridge of spies bridge of spies is a good example where it's yeah. like it's a it's a story that i you'd probably rather hear about gary powers uh side of bridge of spies but uh tom hanks's story in bridge of spies and abel's yeah. story that's way more interesting when it's told by a guy as talented as he is right so in this case yes yeah, like I could watch all the President's Men, the remake, but I'd really rather watch this other side of the story right now. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I will say, like, I love the very, like, last two minutes of that film as it's edited mm-hmm. and shot, but I will admit I laughed my guts off because the way the – William's score is great in this film, but the way it's, like, kind of moving into intensity and the way it's cut and shot yeah. to do that reveal of the exact which I looked it is the exact same setup and shots that were done for all the president's men in the very beginning of that movie so it is a direct homage yeah um and so and it but, it, but it starts that before even that moment it's it's the the voyeuristic shot of Nixon and the music starts swelling up and I'm just like is this his way of commenting on the MCU where it's just like no I'm gonna build my own universe called the corrupt universe yeah <laughs> I loved it. I, I was just like, I, I loved it, but at the same time I had to giggle because I was just like, this is way too intense for the end of this movie that ended on such a high note already. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, here's this, he's making a movie that's making a big deal out of little moments that most people don't talk about and then leads into this big moment that people talk about all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like he ends the movie by introducing a thing you learn about in high school and he spends the whole movie talking about a thing you don't learn about until college. Yeah. Like, and that's what makes it kind of interesting and why why I think he kind of wants that moment to swell where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I've just watched you, what what in my mind ends up being the more important version of the story. Um, 
because it's like the real fight. Like this is the setup that allows you to go into that conflict sort of gun blazing, guns blazing um, because and, you know you've got this confidence behind you. Yeah, and the only I, – I mean, I kind of agree with your opinion on All the President's Men to some degree where it, like, it makes the post a better film to some degree. But like – No, vice versa. No, uh, yeah, where, but yeah. Where, where you say – no, you said it makes All the President's Men look like a crappier film by comparison. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that to a degree. The only – like, but the argument I have on that side is it's like the post has 40 years of time to get its act together, whereas All the President's Men was literally shot like the next day. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm aware. In, as, as, in the words of Yoda – yeah, <laughs> we we are what they grow beyond. Yeah, <laughs> like this. After forty years, filmmaking gets better, storytelling gets better. Yeah. We know a lot more than I'm just saying. Like I look at this and go, oh, this in my opinion does a better job at at oh, really I'm, telling that story. And and you know, um, I, I I agree, especially because like all the President's Men does kind of it. It doesn't end abruptly. It leaves you with without Nixon admitting to anything. Yeah. Whereas this film has much more resolution. So, I mean, I agree with you. Like, yeah. in the in the terms of, like, if I'm talking about, like, an entire complete piece of entertainment that I enjoy, like, yeah, The Post is something I'd probably rewatch more than I would all the President's Men. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and Henry? that was a good score by Williams. So. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Henry, anything to add? No. I mean, I don't really have many opinions on this film. I thought it was okay. Uh I liked it, but I'm probably not going to remember it like in a three month span. <laughs> um, Fair. Yeah. The other thing I would add is it's not that, I'm not saying it's bad or anything. I'm just saying that like it just didn't connect with me like I wanted it to. Yeah. Like I just walked out being like, "This is a really good film," but it's one that I was like, "But it's yeah, obviously it's going to be a really good film." So. <laughs> not, sure. not, nothing exploded the brain at all. It's no Paddington too. <laughs> well, I, like, hey. Walked out being like, <laughs> It could have been like Man, what an amazing piece of cinema. What if so. Ben Whishaw as Paddington paid, played Ben Bradley? I'm yeah. just saying, like he would have said, like you go get those those papers and bring me a marmalade sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been brilliant. <laughs> you know, Paddington couldn't boss anyone around like that. You without a nice hard stare. <laughs> you won't understand that reference till you see Paddington Two. But once you see Paddington Two, you're gonna listen to this episode and be like, ha ha ha, funny joke, Henry. <laughs> I think you uh, texted us as good hard stare. I'm guessing. I did. I did text you. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's when they're. It, yeah, I, I. I got you, Henry. Someone there in the elevator. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna add that. I thought it was funny to see Bob Odenkirk and David Cross together again. Yes. In a feature film that was a Spielberg movie. I know. Um, when David Cross showed up, I was like, "Holy crap!" Did you? That was a fun little cameo. Did you know Spielberg had no idea that Mr. Show was a thing? No, I bet he when did. He, by the time he got onto set, that's I'm, when they, it blows my mind that Steven Spielberg plays video games. So, yeah, like modern ones. Steven Spielberg, normal guy. No, yeah. like literally in the interview, they were like, "Yeah, they told me that on the day that David and Bob were all finally on set for the first time, he, it, that's when he found out that Mr. Show was their show." Oh, oh wow! He had no idea that they worked together prior to this. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so. Yeah. He uh, knew. He knew. I think it is, he said he knew Cross from Arrested Development, and he knew Odenkirk from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Gotcha. Yeah. So crazy. That's funny. And then, um, I mean, it's like when uh, David Fincher cast Tyler Perry in Gone Girl, not knowing who Tyler Perry was. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I didn't realize he didn't know. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. To be fair, Fincher's was probably busy looking at all of his takes that he does. So, oh, man. He didn't see Diary of a Mad Black That's incredible, because that man is actually relatively, like, influential. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Interesting. 
and then I just thought that the the movie's called The Post, and it's kind of a prequel, so pre and post. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the sequel. Violet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well done, Brad. Well, Way to kill it. it right at the end. Yeah, I, I thought I'd just bring the show down, because, you know, no matter what, Ryan's going to come back next week and be like, that was the worst show you have ever There heard. was no energy. You yeah. guys suck. You guys suck. Brad, you were okay. You guys suck. That's true. That's exactly how he sounds. <laughs> We just played a clip from another episode. Yeah. Henry, I don't like French films. <laughs> so what do we see next week, guys? I don't know. What's out next week? Maybe we should try to watch a movie I from... Think you know what you're seeing next week. Why? What's next week? Paddington 2? <gasps> yes. There's literally or... nothing else. <laughs> you know what? This is not a bad idea. I mean, yeah. I'll do it. Proud Mary came the, out, the out, too. I'll care. I'll do it. coming out next week is uh, 12 Strong. <laughs> so your choices are 12 Strong and Paddington 2. Um, I'll see Paddington 2. I might see 12 Strong just to now, break the monotony. But unfortunately, it's going to take one to four weeks for me to get the first film. So, no, I'll it's watch it. I'll, I'll watch it on Netflix. I'll watch it. It's on Netflix. I know. I just want to hold it. <laughs> uh, I'll go to Best Buy. I'll see if I can find it at Best Buy. So, okay, Paddington 2. All right. Cool. Uh, Fantastic. Until next week. Bye. <gasps> Brad, you have to say it. <laughs> Brad, you have to say it. The show can't end until you say it. Uh, have a good day. Farewell. No. Fare thee well. No. Listen later. Carry on your wayward sons. Be real. <laughs> real nerds. <laughs> wow. Just, just say it. Just say it once. <laughs> it once. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.